Did you see my um my teaser for what my match of the week is going to be? I did, yes. I, I shared a mental frame of mind with a wrestler as something was going on in the match. Stay tuned to hear what it was. <laughs> well, wow, right. Yeah, you're bringing teasers in. Just you're pushing you're pushing the level of what's this what's possible with the format now. Just, just pushing it to the next. Well, I think uh, we're going, we're returning back to the stiff one format, the traditional format this week. We return to normalcy is, uh, is restored, uh, which is good because we had, I think we had enough matches this week to cover. Um, and there wasn't the sort of the, it's a bunch of standouts. I think it's more dispersed than the shooting star that was Finley getting the rocket up his ass mm. last week. Uh, Let's talk about Finley. Yeah, it's 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 fine. We 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 spoke enough for Finley, I think. Finley's covered. Well and truly covered. Can I just say we're at the point for me in the G1 where I feel like all the matches and all the nights are rolling into one and I've totally lost. Wrestling fatigue. <laughs> yeah. It's not it's not fatigue. No, it's the format. It's just I can't I can't work out what of what I've seen and when I saw it and I can't remember. There's too much gap between stuff. The format, yeah. It's a legit question to have because I have significant issues with it and I'm trying to figure out what the go with it is. I think that's why it benefits me because I watch it all in one hit. So because I work the night, a lot of the nights that it's on, so I don't actually get a chance to, to actually watch it live. Mm. Um, I've probably only watched, I think, one. One actual night of G1 live? Yeah, it was um, night three, which was I night remember, three. <laughs> which I remember telling you don't. <laughs> it was night three, yeah. And um, so I, I actually, before we do the show, I actually wake up in the morning and have my first cup of coffee and I usually try and bash out a couple of the, the pre-match well, stuff. It's probably, and... a, it's probably a good segue to, to start with the first question I was going to ask, which is from Dr. Gary P. Mariner. The doctor is back in. He's making house calls. He's asked... Uh, I am very behind in watching the shows because family work, et cetera. So I want to know your top tips for making time for the G1. <laughs> what a timely question. <laughs> what I thought as soon as Dave said, I'm lost. I was like, this is a good time to try to figure out, especially in this year of all years, because it is a absolute cluster. This is also isn't a like a time scheduling podcast, like how to organize your personal time. <laughs> like, what, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, don't listen to us. It's like, yeah. yeah well, like, I got no tips for you, man. I'm fucking struggling as well, dude. Yeah. Well, well, allow me to talk to a certified doctor, uh, doctor to doctor. Uh, doctor, uh, I'll just lay it on. I, I, I just said it before. I actually watch most of it before we do the show. Uh, I don't actually get much of a chance to actually engage with the stuff live, unfortunately. Um, so usually it's like, I'll just try and cram some weeks. I'll try and cram my guys' matches. Uh, but what I normally do is I circle a match. I'll, I've got a list right beside me that I'm happy to go through again um, of all the guys who I want to see. So if there's, a, if there's a match that I really want to see, for example, that doesn't involve one of my guys from my team, I'll actually put time aside to try and watch that. But normally before the show, it's a, it's a bit of a scramble for me and, and I have to like cut a lot of shit out and not, and just uh, focus. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a tricky one because obviously um, I think there's a couple of things that uh, are at play. 
I think there's a sense that you don't have to watch everything. Like, I think that's important when it comes to like, there's no shame in tapping out at some point being like, I can't watch this. It's like, you know, save yourself the Udro matches. That's always a good move. Yeah. But like identify, like if you don't think it's going to be good, it's probably not. And you can, there's a bunch of podcasts and stuff out there of people recapping stuff. So you can follow the, you know, the, the action without, you know, on your drive to work or whatever. Or, or you get together with three friends, do a draft, pick some guys, and then you only have to watch a few matches. You don't have to watch. Yep. You follow your stories. Yep. And that's, and I think you don't necessarily have to follow the exact format, you know, like finding a couple of friends that to subject them to New Japan Pro Wrestling, maybe a bit of a, a chore for some people that don't have those people. We've got us, you've got us there to listen along to. But stories, identify guys. I was just going to give some actual life advice to the doctor. Then you and your partner, I'm assuming you have a partner because you said family, you and your partner could then do a draft with the kids. And then <laughs> yeah. you get to keep one kid. So therefore you just focus on one kid. That's that. I'm sure that will go down great for the six weeks that is the G1. <laughs> That's just for life in general. I mean, the way I sort of try to consume New Japan is not as a, um, not as a brand or a product, but rather the platform through which my favorite characters perform. So I ultimately can identify a couple of key characters I'm interested in following. And then they are happening throughout the G1. Um, for those people that are like, if you're a, like one of those completists that has to watch everything, then I don't, I don't have any tips for you other than, you know, somehow don't sleep because I don't know how it's possible to watch everything. If you have all of those aspects and you can't control your time, if you like, it's a, it's a challenge. We're really lucky here too, because it tends to be on pretty favorable time slots for us as far as watching. It's like on in the evening, it's not real late. Sometimes it's a bit earlier. Sometimes we get matches on a, like a Sunday afternoon. So they're like good times for three, <clears throat> effectively three single dudes. who live Basically, on yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm my own boss. So I basically say, oh, I'll just won't go. I'll just watch this thing tonight no go in late tomorrow so i i have it i have it as easy as it comes so um i'm not exactly the best to provide advice because i'm sort of i'm the saddest that watches it all but i do understand i just i just think people that get caught up thinking they have to watch everything it's like you Mm. don't have to watch everything to follow the tournament it's just like what are you most interested in and follow that. I always think that's the best way to go. And if someone says, Oh, this is awesome match, and you get sort of consensus, it's a really must-see thing. But you can seek that out. You can always seek that out. Yeah. And on on world, you can skip through pretty easily. Yeah. 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 And you can just know that people are pretty good about that and they give you a bit of an idea around it. And I think to some extent, leading up, if you think a match is going to be good, you you just prepare for that. Like I, I think most stuff in the G1 is fairly predictable in terms of if it's going to be good or not, in terms of what you're interested in and the stuff that's surprising people will tell you about. So they'll, they'll let you know like, Oh, I only took two Finley matches. Like, Oh, you better check out the next thing. And then you got to run, you got something to follow. Um, I just think it's a matter of picking the wrestlers that you're the most interested in and tracking them. Even if it's just one, because it's like, okay, I got, I got six matches over the next six weeks, something to follow. Like, that's that simplifies your your engagement you know if you want to follow what's happening there's a heap of you know podcasts that that's what they do and you can drive to work or whatever and you can be listening to that to keep you up to date of the stories and then check in with the guys you want to watch if you want to watch the the best matches or whatever i think that's that's a way to go but i think you have to allow yourself allow yourself to not have to watch everything whatever that curse of 
completionism is is just it's just not a sustainable thing especially this year of all years with the sort of disjointed nature of the tournament i think it's it's not something that you should have to be constantly getting the spreadsheet out to figure out what the fuck's going on you know or you need to take a really good hard long look at yourself in the mirror and think do i want to be a wrestling fan or do i want to have a life yeah, that's uh, wow. Read that. Read that's that's literally going to fit everyone. People are going to park off the side of the road after hearing that. Now, <laughs> what have I done with my existence? What am I doing with my life? <laughs> yeah, I just think it's like sometimes you forget about how this stuff is meant to be consumed. Like New Japan ultimately is a touring product, so they're they're wrestling like in different cities, and that's their goal is like going to different places and running stories in those different places. And if you're like one of those people that watches all the road to stuff, you're literally watching the same stuff being repeated because you're just watching stuff that is not necessarily designed to be aired. Um, it's designed to be get over in the room, which it is. So you only have to watch a couple of road twos to realize that. And I don't necessarily think you don't have to watch it all. And with the G1, you don't have to watch it all. You can skip undercards if you want. Now everyone will say, Oh, you got that's why you don't skip undercards. Yes, I get it. But if you're time poor, which a lot of people are. You have to make decisions. And then the, then you can follow podcasts that do the tracking. Or you can follow podcasts like us that are focusing on the narrative stuff. And we'll catch you back up to the key stories that are that are really um, you know, trending and that potentially could be projecting to somewhere. Like it's a community out there. It takes a it takes a village to raise a New Japan Pro Wrestling fan. <laughs> there so there you go, Doctor. We just told you how to live your life. Yeah, I just love that a doctor is coming to us for advice on anything. Yeah, <laughs> how do I watch more wrestling? <laughs> how do I get more wrestling into my life? But I don't. I think you're doing all right without it. Just, just keep going that way. Whatever you're doing, <laughs> you're the doctor. You're the doctor, <laughs> son. Just keep doing whatever you're doing, and find some wrestling time. You'll find it. Don't worry. It'll find you. It'll find you. And now, Subway delivered by Uber presents. The Stiff One. Just when you thought we were done, it's time for fun. It might be cold, but all three of us have a boner for Jonah. And you might later on find out that there's something about Tai Chi. Now, there is nothing bad about the G1. And I only just found out the other day that Noah has a thing called the N1, which is really confusing. They do. Mm. I like how you brought Noah into this. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Mm. <laughs> yes. My name is the Ravishing Red Brood, and I am joined over yonder by the Tokemore pimp himself, Dr. Dave Brun. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Hey. Hey. Hey, yo. 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 Hey, he is his own king of dork, the chocolate mouse himself, Dr. Julius Josh. <laughs> Dr. Okay. Julius Josh. It's, it's going to happen, lads. As the G1 gets towards the end, there's so much shit happening. So yeah. much is going on. Yeah. 
it's hard to fit all the stuff that's happening. There's only three shows this week, but you know, and like in answer to that question, I think one of the cool things to do is like you said, it makes sense to just follow a couple of stories. And then if you hear of something good, go catch it because it's too much. It's too much. There's a, particularly like now or at this point, there's going to, it's all, it's like ramped up in the last week and it ramped up the week before. And then this following week, it's only going to get more hectic. And and to get the level of like, um, what would you call it? Like kind of the, um, the things that are like, conceptually interesting or some things that are like that you think could be something you want to think about if you're having to try to think about everything you're just sort of spreading yourself really thin it's better to sort of identify a couple of those really juicy things that you can say yeah i can stick my teeth into that that's if you if you're trying to say i'm going to watch every match then sometimes really nuanced and subtle stuff just gets lost and that's what yeah. i think what happens with people that are having to watch all this stuff or they're watching it for a job or they're doing something when i listen to them i'm like Oh, you just completely missed that point, or you missed that entire thing. I'm like, I'm not criticizing them for that. I think to some extent, it's like there's just so much happening that stuff just mm. slips from it. Just you just it just washes over you. You just didn't see it. It happened right in front of yeah, you. Yeah, you don't necessarily notice it. Yeah, I heard someone reviewing stuff and they didn't recognize the extremely lame pooper um, <laughs> sign that was in the ELP match, uh, which I certainly couldn't miss. <laughs> but like, like, but like, someone watched that and didn't see it. And it's like because they're probably writing notes or t- paying attention to something else, and that's okay. But yeah, I just think it's it's just it's in it's in, it's emblematic of just the sheer dearth of wrestling that's yeah. happening, and the diversity of wrestling and the and then the main events and all sorts of stuff. I just think it's not. I just think it ruins your experience if you try to exp- watch everything and say I'm going to invest all my time into each match it's just like mm. you end up resenting yourself or you're resenting the wrestlers for doing what they do like if you resent okada for having an okada match that's i think that's Get off the sad i yeah. think it's like yeah. oh, it's a disappointment that that's you got to that point and maybe it's time to just take a little bit of break from the rest of stuff and just focus on the stuff you really find interesting i mean i don't understand why yujiro has any wins let alone what's he got has he got three wins what? <laughs> I, I warned you. I, I, Me? I warned everyone. I warned that. Yeah, I, I wasn't I, picking him. I, I know. I'm aware of this. Like, I get, I, I, I get why, why you have guys like that, but it's infuriating when one yeah. of your guys goes up against someone like Yujiro and you're like, what on God's green fucking earth? Why is he getting that win? Mm. I, I, I get that it's to make up the math. The indignation. Nothing is more. Nothing to, will will get a man more unhinged if he's getting to an edge than losing to Yujiro Takahashi. Like, and the funny thing is, like Yujiro has wins over Finley and Juice. I know. You think that's by accident? You honestly like <laughs> it's it's like it is what it is. <laughs> Does that now, mean that Yujiro is winning the block? <laughs> 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 the tiebreaker man, he's coming through. He's the tiebreaker. Well, kid. it's the big D block, so Yujiro's yeah. coming through. <laughs> yeah, oh D block, what chaos! Absolute fucking chaos in D block. Oh man, it's been crazy. It's been a crazy, a crazy week uh, in the G one. <laughs> there's no, there's no getting away from it. It's like anything Not that you right. thought where it was going. I was like, it's just we thought it was nuts last week with where Finley had gotten to, but. 
Well, so how many, was there three nights that we've had since we last did the show? I believe there was. I believe, yes, there was. There was the Friday, the Saturday, and the Sunday. Yeah, yeah we had Sunday, Saturday, and Friday. Yeah, Friday. Yeah. Yeah, because the Tuesday was Finley, Austin. Finley, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I would, I would actually say though, I do think the three shows that have happened, I think they've been the best of the, I think it's actually gotten to a point now where I think had you not, I think Osaka was the uh, first night in Osaka was probably the turning point for the G1 of like, holy shit, it's, it's getting serious now. But, mm-hmm. um, and I think it'll continue to go that way. I just think that, I just think the format, I, I'm happy to have a discussion about the format because I've been, I've been trying to figure it out. I have I haven't quite figured exactly what the fuck the go is. I've been thinking maybe the gaps were because they were scared of COVID. Yeah. And they wanted to have like long gaps between matches so that if a guy contracted it, he could essentially isolate and then come back. Because it's yeah. quite getting seven to eight to nine day gaps. Like I guess that makes sense. Uh, probably you probably hit the nail on the head there. I'm just trying to figure it out because it's yeah, because it's, it's so disjointed. Yeah, exactly. That's the perfect word. It's so disjointed. It's hard. I find it hard to follow. It's hard to follow a guy. Like, Jay's 4-0, and and I feel like I've kind of, like, I feel like I've watched about 10 minutes of him. Mm. It's just weird. Yeah. What are we? Two week, two and a half weeks in. We've only got 10 days or so to go. Yeah. So the next... The next 10 days are going to be full on, aren't they? They're going to be packed. That's the thing. Like they're literally jam packed full of like important key, ma- like half the guys are already out. Yeah. yeah. Just like, you just sort of forget that just the way it's been booked. It's like, yeah, no, they're gone. Um, But again, I think if you're watching it, if you're not watching it sequentially, instead you're watching it in a big chunk, it's like, holy shit. The like Osaka shows would have been great as like a back to back, just in isolation. But if you're trying to follow like Tai Chi's off for nine days or Finley hasn't wrestled since that run last week, you know, it's, it's just, I think things lose their momentum. Yeah, they do. It's almost like, but it's almost like it's been booked in like blocks. Like, I mean, blocks, not in the typical blocks. Like the first week is like, this is going to be Hanare getting his shine moments. Now it's going to be Finley. Now this week's going to be Jonah. And it's like, they're just kind of picking a week for like, (laughs) like this is going to be the focus for this week. Yeah, and at the detriment of everyone else, it's sort of happening. I I don't know. I honestly don't know. I I don't want them to continue this unless they make it eight, um, eight in each block, and then they can do block nights. So you can have four, yeah, like instead, four so then it's just four four from each yeah. block each night, and then you can just keep it nice and seek like nice in sequence. And you can do a couple of double block nights. So you have eight matches on one night with the two blocks, and I'm almost convinced that, that was the plan because. Yeah something happened where a couple of guys got hurt. A couple of guys couldn't attend for certain reasons and they had to cut back from 30. Cause it makes sense. It's G one 32. It would have made yeah. sense for the biggest G one ever to have 32 people. Yeah. So when I look at the blocks and I look at the thing, I think it was supposed to have 32 and they've had to scramble to try to make it work because you don't, it just, it's just, it doesn't make sense. Like some nights, like now they're going to five nights. It's just, it just doesn't make sense. It's it seems like it's been sort of hastily put together to make it fit. I still think there's some really conscious decisions around where people are placed. El Fantasma being number one, he um he's got his next he's on he's got like four matches in in ten days. Yeah. Um, but interestingly enough, he's never booked in an arena smaller than three or four thousand. It's it's weird because like 
my the last G one I watched was the what the year before the pandemic. Twenty nineteen. Yep. Yeah, and like you lose, I kind of I've lost the flow of watching. Yeah. Well, the traditional night on A block, night off B block, night on A block, night off like. That's so the they were almost wrestling every second night, sort of thing, and maybe there was a gap. Yeah, so for touring, so you go, you'd go, say maybe a Saturday, then a Sunday, then you have a Monday off, Tuesday off. You turn up at a Wednesday for a Thursday. They sort of go back yeah. to back, and it's A block with the B block undercard, and then B block with the A block undercard, and they just would cycle. And it's a, it's mm. a perfect system. Yeah, um, I'll give it to them. Like everyone was criticizing them for their, you know, everyone's been criticizing them for the style, and they're trying something in their fiftieth year to try to do something different, or go back to a four block system, which they had done in the past. But I just think that it. It doesn't. It never made sense to me that you could end up three and three, because that's yeah. so not G one. Like they don't ever like if you can end up three and three, and in most G ones it's five and four or four and five. They never give yeah, someone you a 50, a winning, winning or losing. Yeah. And so I've I just I've I cannot believe that they didn't design it to be um, eight men in a block. And if they I did think, do that, the rhythm would have been there. I think you're 100 percent correct though with the quite accurate um, concern about COVID. And just the number of days off some guys have. So if they do have it, they can isolate and try and get better so they can actually try and come back. Yeah, but then you but then the counter to that logic is the guy like ELP that if he got sick now, he's gonna miss like fucking three yeah. matches. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's hard. It's hard to know. Um but I just think it's a product of the the eight thing. I I agree. I, I don't like it and I'm I've been on record since on Twitter, I've been on record from the beginning. I was like, I'm just not a fan of this style because I think the narratives are harder to track um, mm. and points are harder to track. Who's winning what? Who's like, at the end of the day, like I'm on six points, but I've wrestled five matches versus I'm on six points. I've wrestled three matches. Like, yeah, it's hard to know. It's just, it's just all over the place. Um, I do think it's going to lead to the last week being incredibly compelling because it'll, it'll all, like everybody's like Tetris and they're all sort of up in the air, sort of all out of shape. And then they all connect and then they drop down. Oh yeah. I certainly, I definitely think that this is, it's d designed for the last week. It's what it, it is. Like. Yeah. Cause then we'll, I mean, it'll be last week. We'll have clarity on who's in, who's out, who's going to, who can potentially spoil the party for yep. certain guys or whatever. But yeah, just like this period, you know, 10 days out from the end and I'm like totally lost as to yeah. who's doing well who's not doing well how many who's behind in matches yeah like and it, like you said like when it's a block and b block and you have the undercut like it's a rhythm you know you know where everyone's at you're like oh, okay those guys have wrestled twice and then tomorrow they're gonna like the day after tomorrow they're gonna do their third match and yeah you know where the blocks are at like fuck, i've got no idea where any of the blocks are at no i'm with you other than with Jay you. hasn't lost yet. That's all I've <laughs> which is maybe maybe the key, maybe the key for him in his booking is they're just like you'll be the only undefeated guy, uh, and it'll be simple for everyone to follow. The champion <laughs> hasn't lost yet, and he's probably gonna be winning the block because he hasn't lost. And it like it sort of signals a lot of stuff from from a distance because you just can't yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I'll let it finish and then I'll make my judgment, but i I'm gonna say it's starting from a very it's starting from well behind the pack in terms of it's I, it's going to take a lot for me to convince me that this format is is even close to traditional format. 
Um, See, I'm 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 just knocked out at the whole format in the sense that that just my my routine and my schedule. Because as I said, I watch everything on the day of the show. You know what I mean? So I I, I just play catch up on the day. So I, I'm watching it all. Doesn't negate the fact that you could be watching and a guy could have wrestled five matches which some of these guys have only got one match left and other guys have wrestled two or three matches. Like Hanare's only got one to go versus guys in his block who've only wrestled three times. Mm. So it's Hanare. Like when you look at the records, like Hanare's on two, well, maybe we'll get a couple of late. It's like, no, we've only got one match to go. You know, like they're the things where you can be kind of surprised by that. Or this guy's next match is going to be Kenta. But before Kenta wrestles him, he's got to wrestle Naito. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That's yeah, like, that's the weird like, thing. Like, yeah, some guy's next match, and it's the guy they're wrestling. It's not their next match. They're going. Like, yeah, that's that's that throws me big time. Like, what? What the fuck? Like when they show the graphics, sometimes I'm like, what? what's yeah. going on? At one point, uh, surely at some point, two like I'm sure it, maybe it has happened that two guys have wrestled, but their their opponent, <laughs> their next opponent, might be the same guy. Like I, I'm with you, Dave. I I think. Uh, for first-time followers, I'm so I'm so glad we're not recapping and following and having to like give points and track where everything's going. Imagine ah, that. Good evening. Imagine that. Yeah. Spreadsheets everywhere. We like trying to do algebra. Oh, underwater, upside down, yeah. with chalkboard. Like, yeah, absolute utter chaos. But luckily, luckily, we still have the stiff one standings, which, in the same context, could basically be thrown out until the very end because no one knows who's wrestled more matches or who's done whatever. But what I will say, what I will say is this week will, will now be known as Josh's meat raffles moving week. It was the moving week for the meat <laughs> raffle as a block finally got into some action. Uh, currently I'll just update everyone where we're at with our stiff standings. Currently reds team, uh, the happy lunch lads are leading with 38 points total, 38 points. In, in second place is a tie with Dave See You Next Tuesday Club and Josh's Meat Raffle with 36 points, two points behind Red. As the stiff one climax as we head towards the final week is a tightening up. It is getting tight. I'm totally surprised by that because... Uh... The cunts just seem to keep losing, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm fine, totally fine with. But uh, yeah, every time I look at a match, I'm like, oh yeah, my dude just lost. Oh yeah, my dude just lost. Oh yeah, my dude you got two block leaders though, and that's the, yeah. the sneaky. You can't, you, you just can't go wrong with old reliable Roshi Tanahashi. Yeah, and Jay White is the leading points getter in the entire uh, G1, so that also does help. You see, um, I'm looking at my team and I'm going, okay, Great Khan only has two points, but, you know, he's a first-timer. So that's, you know, I'm fine with that. Uh, Tomo he's not a first-timer. Has, he's not a first-timer, no. All right, well, second-timer. Um, and Tomo, who's definitely not a first-timer, he's only got two points too. It might be a last-timer. might be a last-timer. But looking at Shingo, he's just sitting there on four points. And I'm like, surely Shingo has to activate soon yeah but it's again the points are irrelevant if you have to put in the context of their matches and how many matches they've got to go versus the other guys who've got like that's the point where the points it's basically irrelevant looking at points because you're like like a guy i think shingo's probably going to win the block i've actually left this week thinking shingo's winning d block but 
he's on four points, but it's like it's tight. There's seriously this year, I feel I have so much sympathy for Chris Charlton and what he's gonna have to do on the last like two nights. <laughs> it's gonna be Excalibur levels of rundown of trying to like explain the tie break systems that are gonna to have to be involved. I do think this level of complexity is. I've, I've said it for a long time. What I like about pro wrestling, what I like in my pro wrestling is uh, complex characters, simple stories. I don't necessarily like complex characters, simple stories, complex as fuck format. I just format. think we can just avoid, let's go to simple format too. Let's add a, just a, an, an amendum to the, I'm going to put it at the back end. I like my, in my wrestling, I like complex characters, simple stories, and basic formats. And if we can keep it like that, then I'll be happy because and this is getting out of hand. No maths. Don't make me think of numbers. Uh, yeah. So anyway, Red, congratulations. But just so you know. It is weak. The, gap, uh, the gap is closed. That's what I mean. Yeah, that's, I, I've got a feeling. I've got a lot of guys uh, who have uh, blown their load. And I've got a feeling you're going to have a lot of dudes, Josh, who are going to start competing. Come back on, boys. Mm. Well, I mean. I'm, I was I'm 12 points enough. behind last week. It's a, uh, it's a, it's like a riding up the outside. Uh, it's the shocker. It's like, well, I want, I still want to be uh, Redley two belts. So the first it's still, ever. It's still a chance, you know, Red. You got some absolute high level guys there. They're going to keep getting points. To to win to go from never winning a draft to winning two in the same year. It's almost like me and Naito have like almost exactly the same story. just always losing and then finally i'm about to get to the big one only to lose yeah so one of us is going to run in on your celebration is that's going to happen Dave's going to come in and kick your face in (laughs) is it time to hit the ropes yeah you hit the ropes yeah (laughs) yeah all right you're gonna hit the ropes you boys keen to hit the ropes are you (laughs) well gentlemen don't forget the pope it's time to hit the rope (laughs) what okay how much time you spent on that one right i just thought of it just then yeah (laughs) one thing i'll be seeing and one thing you'll be hearing the film nope it's time to hit the ropes you're just gonna rhyme things with rope and ropes yeah awesome awesome i I was gonna say your, your middle name is hope That'd be fucking dope. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's now time for us to elope. Let's hit the ropes. Great, Red. Tremendous. I'm going to fucking coke. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone got some coke? Fuck this. What is happening? (laughs) Just, and and at this point, at this point, Dr. Gary's driving going like, boys, I told you I have a finite (laughs) amount of time and you were fucking rhyming (laughs) hopes and slopes. It's it's. Uh, well, let me ask you, boys. Has anyone got a most impressive boy? Well, we have. I think we we have to. Red uh, most impressive boy. First rope, bottom rope. Most impressive boy for this past week. Who would like to? Who would like to go first for their most impressive boy from the the G one action this past week? As Dave mentioned, we have, I think three three shows from this past week. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with. I mean, I'll say Shingo, just because he always puts on absolute bangers. Always love watching Shingo, but just really enjoyed his match this week. Um, <clears throat> I just thought, yeah, absolute banger. 
uh yeah i'm just gonna go with shingo which i know after hearing you two talk later on i'll probably change my mind and go oh no this guy uh <laughs> it's just <laughs> uh it's just that yeah because i can't say jonah so i'm gonna go with finley there's no um there's no <laughs> that's that's great uh there's not a bit of a there's not a there's not a piece you that wants to say Okada. If you're going no, I mean, Jonah, like, yeah, I mean, I I mean yes, I would like to say Okada, but it's just like I you know I I love that match with Jonah. I absolutely fucking love that match. Yeah. That match was so cool. Like, yeah, did not you know like when you're watching something and you just you just everything time and everything just ceases. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like you're just watching a wrestling match and it's like just pure joy. Yeah, I thought Love that. It. Yes, I just thought, and we'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll spoil it. There'll be time when they will be talking about that match. But I do. I just thought Okada. I'll, I'll give him his credit in that match when, when I'm going through it because I thought it was one of his best performances. I've seen him in, in a, in a yep. long while. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll grant but that. Shingo wrestled Osprey. So for people that like that kind of thing, that's the kind of thing those people will like. It was something else. It was an absolute banger. It was a lot of yeah. fun. It was a really, really, really good match. Um, but, you know, I, I just think in general, uh, Shingo is just probably one of the best wrestlers in the world right now. And if I was going to say most impressive boy, it's just very difficult right now to comment on my guys because I watched a lot of everyone else's guys' matches or more so watched, you know, the other guys. But yeah, Shingo really, really was an absolute bum. You know, man, had, had, had a great match. And If Shingo is not the best wrestler in the world... If he's I'm not, right? Yeah. I, if he's not, if he's okay. not, yeah. Is he the most consistent? Good point. I'd say yes. One of one most consistent. I'll put it this way: I think he has the highest floor of any wrestler in yeah. the sense that, like floor and ceiling. I think yeah, his yeah. worst match is is always good. Like I don't yeah. think. I mean, I think he's wrestling Utero. <laughs> I think he's next to Utero, which is the truest test of a man's floor. But I do think um, I think I like that. I, I've been saying I think he's the spiritual in in like successor to Ishi, where he's gonna like take the mantle of. I think he already has taken the mantle. Don't tell the work ladies, but he's just what he's ha- good. What? How did he just? I'm curious, right? You have a guy like him who's that good, that consistent. What? How did Dragon Gate let him go? Or did he always want to come to New Japan? Or? I think that was it. I don't know a lot about the story. I mean, he had a, he had a bit of a troubled past in Dragon Gate. There's a couple of things that, that were a bit of a concern there, just, just dojo stories and stuff. But I think he, I mean, at the end of the day, however how people want to look at it, New Japan, at the, at the time when he came across, the money, I would imagine, was significantly better yeah and and the perfect opportunity opened up because of Hiromu getting injured yeah and he's got a connection with uh with Naito and he's got a connection through the animal Hamaguchi gym where they all come through he's a guy that I want to do at like a full career deep dive on and because I don't know it's crazy his background man the people that he knows and who he's wrestled like him and Moxley go back from Dragon Gate USA like he's he was a guy wrestling in in like kentucky like wrestling in some random stuff in like 2008 or something like his and the thing that i that people say about chingo is he's always been this he's like he was like he was always great um 
it was just he was never on a platform that a larger audience had seen. So when he had, when he turned up, it was a big thing because the Japanese mm. fans that had been following at least the hardcores were like, "Holy shit!" It's the yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I was there. I know you were there. <laughs> lucky you were there. bastard. You were literally. Um, and the crowd like made like audible gasps. They were like, "Oh shit." I was like, I don't know who that dude is, but he looks yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think shit. I messaged you. I'm like, who's that? <laughs> yeah, because we were speculating as to who it was going to be because that was a huge story beat because, you know, LIJ don't add people very often. And and I think it's so rare in in Japan, like to go across uh, promotional lines is a big thing. It's a like a legit... Like normally you have to do a jump. Normally you have to go from there to somewhere else to like what Ishimori did. He's like, I'm leaving Noah. I'm going to Impact, and then he spent stayed in Impact for six months and then went back to New Japan. Mm. You have to sort of find a way to get there because the politics of it all. So, yeah, man, that guy. I'm pretty much convinced that he's the most. Like, if you were just going to make a wrestler in a lab, I think Shingo might be. Shingo might be. I mean, uh, Takeshita might be the other guy that you get in terms of like yeah. just like those type of like they're just perfect builds they did completely different designs as humans yeah. but wrestling bodies hey, uh, how is how is because he's on like his ddt so to go off topic but yeah you mentioned his name so he's yeah. on his ddt excursion yeah well kind of he's um but he's already but he's the youngest to already win all their belts he's won everything yeah he's won everything and he's on excursion they just like go away so we can like you can do we can come back and you can be fresh again yeah everybody's going to be throwing all the money at that kid all the monies yeah yeah triple h should be looking at that dude as well a bit oh yeah yeah i think he's a he's a freak of an athlete and it's like and he's young and it's like he's good looking and he looks great speaks yeah. english like yeah. at this point what yeah yeah that's the thing and i think shingo i think shingo's like it's kind of similar like those not that they have similar trajectories but they're kind of like these undiscovered gems like i understand that for the dragon gate people for the ddt people they know them and they're well versed and watch those guys awesome but in terms of general broader um, audience broader yeah. audience for whatever new japan broad audience is but for english speaking audiences for ease of access in terms of visual yeah promotion. i mean that's the that's the thing for the west isn't it like ease of access and finding ddt, DDT content or noah even it's not it's not well, easy. yeah wrestle universe isn't as easy as it hasn't got the same it just hasn't got the same level of following like new japan has got hundreds of thousands of social media followers you know like yeah it's, a, it's just a difference and that's it's no slight at those guys it's awesome talent there's so many great that's the thing like for every Takeshita that's out there everyone's like oh great there's like three more guys in ddt that are like at elite good. level yeah they yeah. just don't have the platform and shingo is a perfect example of a guy who he came in and he it was instant it like as soon as he turned up like this guy's fucking awesome he came pre-made it was like ready mm. to go straight in and everyone said straight you can put him straight in the main event and they gave him a year with taking Hiromu's spot which i think when people look back on like that was a pretty prominent position to be given. Like we need someone to fill the massive void that is our biggest junior star. Because Bushi ain't doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bushi probably sitting there going, it's my time. I finally yeah, yeah. ready. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then it's like, we're bringing a new guy. And guess what? He's 110 kilos. And he's going to pretend like he's a junior. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, Bushi's like, oh, uh, but I do. I think there's, there's a said, man, I think there's something to that where it's like, they, they just 
of the dojo system in Japan across all of the companies, they just, they produce the best pro wrestling talent in the world. And I just think, I, I personally believe New Japan system is the best of the best, but I don't yeah. discount how good they are with those guys across many of the promotions. How, how would it be to, though, like Takeshita goes on his excursion to AEW, wrestles, wrestles all these ex-WWE guys, Moxley, Claudio, has all these great matches, only for Triple H to swoop in and fucking... So he does his apprenticeship under Tony Khan's, in Tony Khan's business, and Triple H just fucking snaps him up. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> a, real, that, Tony. <laughs> that's a real threat these days. Like, that's a concern yeah. I have for all of my favorite... Like, for people that are new to New Japan Pro Wrestling, get prepared for... for Triple H's, uh, like the penchant he has for stealing the top talent in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's been doing it for years. Uh, it's just the nature of it, you know? The only guy I want to see Triple H sign is um, the indie darling, Underflower. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's... Guy is you, you, want, you want a quintessential star like Shingo? Underflower. He might be less like, problematic. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but the... Yeah, I do think... Um, I saw on Twitter people saying, you know, they were saying, oh, uh, Hunter's in the look for a tall, strong, you know, athletic, good-looking Japanese star looking at Takeshita, and someone said, Sonata's right there. <laughs> <laughs> just like pushing, you can have Sonata, just have him. See what, do your best. But I think it's a broader issue, and that's why I think Shingo and what he's been able to do, and I think getting the world title, I think was a real bold statement from New mm. Japan in terms of where they position themselves politically and a lot of the stuff that they've been thinking about and talking about as of late about trying to get away from these traditional things. It's like, I just could never imagine a world in which Shingo was world champion and it doesn't happen unless there's a fucking pandemic, but the fact they did it. Oh, I don't know. I know it's undeniable, but like, it's hard because like Ishii's never got a sniff, you know? And yeah. there's so many great guys that are great wrestlers, that are great workers. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're right because a lot of guys weren't there. A lot of Western guys weren't there too because of the pandemic and that sort yeah. of stuff. Maybe there isn't the spot open for him to take it. But he was ready when the ball was given. He was like, yep. Yeah. And, and now, no, he, that the genie doesn't go back in the bottle now. Like he got to, poor Goto, but he got to, he got like, he got the thing, like he could have been the next Goto where it was just like, you're going to be the proof of how good our title is by the fact that you can't get it and you're going you to be able to, yeah. you can't win it. But we've got to a situation where you have to, someone has to win it that like it, they didn't want to give it to Okada. That was kind of the thing. They had a story they wanted to tell for Okada. And so they're just like, Shingo's the man, you're taking it. And he was great. He, he was the same way that Moxley had to sort of carry it during a pandemic. Shingo sort of got that burden as well. And, and the story was inbuilt. It was there because and it'll tie into what you talked about, Red. It was Osprey's belt that got stripped from him. And the fact that Shingo got to take it ties those two together. And I think that that is, and Shingo made the point of it in the post-match presser. He was saying, I don't know if I like the guy. I don't know if, if this is, I should say this, but he said that he's my best rival. And it's like, they've paired them up. You know, that's, they've just said these guys are going to be, they've had five matches. And I, I don't know what the average star rating from Dave Meltzer is, but I'm going to say it's above five. And, mm. And I feel like that match too, like, I don't know if that's the one you're going to talk about, but that, it feels like they left a lot. I agree. I left a lot in the tank, you know, like. They only went 22. The finish was pretty abrupt and it felt like they were playing the hits just at one and a half times speed. They just decided to go up a bit faster. Can we do it faster? Yeah. Um, I Put it this way. I, it was, there were some great matches over the weekend. 
I still, I don't, it wasn't the best match I saw this weekend either, just quietly. In New Japan, I had a, I had a match I liked more. It's not even, it doesn't even involve my guys. So hopefully someone talks about it. But the, the, um, the degree of difficulty, I don't think I saw a match with a high degree of difficulty. Like yeah. they were doing things that was just un, just inhuman. Like, I think they were doing things that only those two can do together. Yes. And that's special. When you have a rivalry like that, that's the Okada Omega sort of discussion where it's like mm-hmm. only those two can do this together. It's only possible with mm-hmm. those two. It's like alchemy. It only yeah. works when you have those flavors mixing. And it's a weird mix because like character-wise, like it's not like for people like me, like I was like, this is just a, I saw a really great description was uh, Striger on on Twitter. He's the guy that started Cage Match or he runs Cage Match. He described it as a popcorn match. I was like, that's the perfect description for those guys. It's like, just. Yeah, like he's an action movie. Yeah. yeah just watch it. Popcorn. <laughs> just yeah. get some popcorn and watch him fucking fly around and do stuff. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, go watch go watch Megalodon. <laughs> and try not to eat a box of popcorn. <laughs> I refer more to like a six pack match. You know, you just sit down, crack open a frosty. Twenty six pack in twenty two minutes. Twenty two uh, minutes, Rich. Holy shit! Drinking. The long neck <laughs> match, just fucking down in them. Well, I mean, I'm saying it's just a six pack. It doesn't take long to drink. It's just <laughs> okay. Well, mate, that's good to know. <laughs> it's, it'll get you there. I mean, I mean, granted, you don't want to see me watch an Iron Man match. I was going to say, Red. Just chill out and get a carton. Finish it on the floor. I mean, we all know there's like pairings with guys over the years where they just like like that. They sort of have their own version of uh, sex in the ring. And, yep. you know, whether it's Steamboat and Flair or, you know, Brett and Sean or whatever, yeah. whoever over the years, there's just two, or, you know, Carter and Kenny, Sometimes two guys in the ring just do stuff that you don't, they, they probably can't do with anyone else. Yeah. Like both of them separately. Yeah. Um, and it just makes for something pretty special. And Will and um, Shingo definitely have that because there's stuff that they'll do. And I'm like, I've never seen that reversed into that, then reversed yeah. into that, and then reversed into that in one move. Yep. The the old uh, the old classic <laughs> DDT nip up as we all get used to seeing. It's like, yes, yeah, that that old oh, yeah. chestnut. Yeah. You know, just somehow flip out of that onto a thing into a revert. Like, and they the story they're telling because they have one story in the match and they're going to stick to it is they add an extra thing to their sequences. So they have the same sequence in every match and they just keep adding. And now they, they, they reverse constantly until someone figures out the new, the new wrinkle that will get them. And they've done it every time. And this time, which was really different, is I started kind of slow and they, they ramp up and then they went down again and they ramped up. It was very weird pacing. But when they went, when they went fast, they went like, like Japanese bullet train fast. <laughs> yeah, it just when you it, go around corners and it goes sideways, and you're like, "This is fucking weird." Yeah, lightning quick, and some of those things you just I just watch and go like, "Yeah, well, this is this is just really fun." Uh, I don't really know if I have any investment in who's winning and losing at this point, but fuck me if I don't think I, I can stand back and say, "Fair fucks to you." That was incredibly interesting. Like it was just something crazy to watch. But uh, pop, yeah. So I said popcorn match, hundred percent. And I, I can watch that. Or I, they can, they can do that. You know, every cup, every now and again. And I'll, I'll be lined up to watch it. And I can only imagine what it'd be like in a live experience. You'd just be like, yeah, Shingo's got a charisma that is, I don't know what it is. Like he, he just somehow 
He just got, I don't know what he has, but it, as you said, Dave, he's got this intangible thing that just makes him, I, I just think he's the next Ishii where he is going to be the loved guy. Even watching his promos, like his post-match promos, he says nothing, right? Usually it's pretty, there's not a lot he's actually saying, but it's the delivery of the way he says it. And it's, you know, it's in Japanese. So I'm just reading subtitles. I'm like, oh yeah, there's not a lot. There's not a lot he's saying here. But the way he's saying it, I'm like, oh, dude, this dude's just fucking cool. Yeah, mm. that's it. That's what it is. He's just cool in a way that makes no sense. He wears like dad jeans and cut off gold gym like tea, like singlets. It's like, yeah. And like, if you saw a guy like that down the street with that mullet, you'd be like, who is this guy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yes. Flames on the side the... of his head. <laughs> Friendly neighborhood mullet. speed dealer. Yeah. He's yeah, yeah. like, what is this guy? What is he? What is he? But he, he looks like a villain in Tokyo Drift. <laughs> yeah, you know, he doesn't. He doesn't seem. He doesn't seem real. Like the dragon shouldn't. None of his gimmicks should really work. But I'll put it this way: What gets me about Shingo is he does things like he'll say something, and his he is all body language. Like he's he'll like like he'll sort of do these exaggerated. He's really exaggerated. He's like he'll. He'll like he plays for the row Z. He plays for everyone in mm. the back, and he sort of is able. And when he does his promos, he like looks at, at almost like he's breaking the fourth wall. Like he always looks into the camera. He always finds the thing. Yeah. He's got this cheeky kind of this cheeky kind of grin kind of thing about him where he, like he smiles with his eyes. At Forbidden Door, he was that taking that to a whole nother level. Like he knew where the hard cam was, and he was like. <laughs> Yeah, like weekend after the hard, he was like fucking um Ferris Bueller, you know, like <laughs> yeah. breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, that's what we need. We need him at Budokan. We need a Budokan just telling everyone to get out. Just Tom leave. Just everyone go. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's got something special, and I, I think that's the great ones kind of do. You can't. They're intangible. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, and I think I think whatever it is, Will owes him a lot because I think. Yeah, I don't think Will's as over as he is without that. No. But- and i don't think will i don't think will can get I, I i just don't think he can i don't think i think there's very few people that can get to what shingo has whatever shingo has is a special combination of a lot of things and i think will's got a guy there that he can you know like kenny did with okada everyone will talk about will and the same way everyone talked about kenny but people that are watching and that have a sense of who the guy is the other guy it's the other guy yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I think that's with Shingo. So I'm with you, Red. I thought it was an incredibly impressive performance from, from Shingo this week. I, I know what I know what Shingo has. He's like a sexy dragon. Like sex dragon. Yeah, he's like a, a he yeah. is a sexy dragon. In in Eddie Guerrero pants. And yeah, I think he's got new ones this time. He's got I know, I know, I pants with the white and the red. But I mean, I've rarely ever seen a guy combine such power with such speed. Yeah, he's a high speed. He's a high speed power boy, swole yeah, boy. Like it's yeah, all neck, shoulder based drivers, and then you know straight off the ropes into like a, a clothesline and his ground clothesline. It's explosive. Just, yeah, exactly. It's just like instant, like bam. It, yeah, mm. I think I very very rarely do you actually see a guy, you know, have that sort of like move set, but also too to have the chemistry of like when Shingo comes out or when Shingo's in a match and all that kind of stuff, he brings that air of big fight feel. Like he he really really does. Mm. Yeah, he's impressive. He's a. I, I'm glad he got his title. I hope he gets another opportunity at the top. 
Do you know, can I can I ask Josh with a lot of Shingo matches? Do you feel like they're just like redoing the matches they had during the pandemic? No, not so much. No, I think I think that one was to some extent because that's the rivalry. I don't know what I, my my feel with that match was. They are um, they are starting a new saga in that respect. I think they're kind of setting up. I feel like that's there's rumors of a, a London show in October for New Japan. And I would not be surprised if they main evented it with um, Shingo and Osprey for US belt or UK belt or whatever. Yeah. Because um, I felt, as with you, Dave, I felt like they left a lot on the table there. I thought they were going to go for 30. I just thought they've never, like the story going in was they'd never done less than 30. So I was like, they might might do that. Instead, instead Will was trying to tell some sort of story of he just wasn't in it, like he was a bit off or something. And I, I don't know. I, I'll be interested to see where they go. I think with Shingo, um Shingo is just red. I think what he is is like he's he's not patterned. Like Ishii, and to some extent, I think Ishii's actually like I've I found him to be a little bit better this year in terms of uh just not get on a segue, but I think he's almost realized that his match is now about the other guy. Kind of that's the kind of thing. Like Ishii matches are pretty limited. He doesn't really want to do well, he's not being booked to do an Ishii match, he's being booked to sort of help the other guy. That's kind of the story of this G1 is a lot of guys mm-hmm. being booked to help younger guys or other guys um and i think shingo is kind of like that in a lot of respects where he's a showcase guy you can basically go in there and he will make sure that you look a million bucks and um that's what they've used him for so far but i feel like he's winning the block i don't have any real reason why that is i just feel like he's winning i just think him and naito's too bigger i just think that's the i just think that's that's it that's the juicy one. That's what we yeah. talked about was a couple of weeks back. Yeah, and as we get closer, Dave, I it, it doesn't it look like it's Jay and Okada are dancing, ready to line up, and C Block is built for. It feels like Naito's on the comeback, and D's the unknown, and it's just the it's the unknown. I don't know what they're going to do with D, but I feel like if you announce if you announce Shingo and Naito, you are. You were probably selling. You may sell more tickets than you do the final if you announce that as a semi-final. Particularly in Japan, that's a big match for them. Yeah, yeah, and it's because it's it's you know it's going to be it might be once in a lifetime. Yeah, like you just that's know it. it's such a rare opportunity. And it's, it's just... the G one to get into the final. Like it'd be big. Yeah, and where would that be? Budokan the semi-final Budokan. Yeah, they have to sell tickets there, so. That'd sell tickets. Yeah. And I think people have talked about Osprey Naito, but that's a protected match. And I feel like that's a match you build to as like the coronation if you're trying to move uh, Osprey to that next, that, you know, establish him in that next level. You build a story around that. Mm. Um, whereas Shingo and Naito, you're not going to build a story. You don't need to. It's already built. So you just do it. And I don't know what that match looks like, but I think it's, I think it's going to be something special because it would be, there would be some weird battling of pride and of ego and of just, there's going to be a lot of stuff in that of some resentment probably <laughs> like uh, mm. it could be really thematically juicy. So I'm kind of hopeful for that. I don't know if they'll go there, but I just felt after watching him beat, beat Osprey and the manner in which he did it, I was like, okay, mm. I think it's like, the run for Shingo's on now. I, I too, I think like if Naito gets through, then I really like the idea of Jay and Naito in a final. Mm. 
Yeah, that would be fun. I think there's a lot more story there than Okada and Naito. It's possible, but a, a big part of me is just going back to the conservative thinking of Okada and Naito have been the pair for the first half of the year. And it's like whoever's and Okada beat Naito constantly. And it's like Naito finally overcomes him. Okada has to beat Jay to get there. So Okada gets that that title match because he's the only guy to beat Jay. And Okada they they somehow get to Okada and Naito somehow. But I can see the benefit of Jay. I can see the benefit of doing something ridiculous like crazy and just Jay running the entire thing. Like I could see like just stunning because at this point they've done some stunning booking like just, mm-hmm. i didn't say coming but jay and naito to me is a story that i think i think jay i think jay and naito is the story of bullet club turning on jay yeah and here's a, here's a i'm not going to go on another tangent here but here's an interesting thing dave i've been saying some things i saw some interesting things um I think her name, uh, Karen on Twitter. Hopefully I don't get that right. She was talking about how she's got this working theory that that New Japan is transitioning Jay um, to be like what Naito is in Osaka. Where they're... Because you know how Naito is like the man of Osaka? Like that's his thing. Hmm. And the story is kind of like they know that Naito is is on the the, the, the downslide now. Like he's... Yeah. Naito's freely admitted it. He's like... He wanted to retire at 40. Like the man's, he's like said, I just want to ease myself down. It's like my last big run. Yeah. The passing of the torch I might be weirdly Naito and Jay. Like it's this, like you don't see it in your head when you think about it, but it's like, what is Naito but this over anti-hero? And it's like, if you want that character, is that the transition that Jay ultimately makes to be this guy? Because like everywhere, like, Remember when he's like, clap for me, cheer for me, talk to me. Like, he's doing all this stuff in Osaka. It's always in Osaka for Jay. And it's like, that's the that's the traditional home of the fucking snarky bastards. And yeah. the, and it's a place where Jay left when he went on excursion. His last spot was in Osaka. And it's like, I think they're trying to do the transition. So I feel it's got, I know everyone wants Naito Okada and I think it's worth going, but I could, I could, I could, I could conceivably see a space where, Maybe they don't do Naito J in the final, but they might do Naito J as a Wrestle Kingdom main event. That's what I think. Well, uh, yeah, I think Naito J at Wrestle Kingdom and and they turn on him Bullet, and Bullet Club turn on Jay because he loses to Naito. Yeah. Oh. And Naito feels sorry for Jay. Helps Jay. That's my conspiracy booking theory. That I was Lij is that what we're yeah Lij <laughs> that's what I was thinking thinking about today actually. <laughs> I was thinking yeah. about that. I'm like, I reckon it's fucking because you watch the interactions between the two of them. They haven't had like a really big. No, not consistent. Not like, not like, not like Jay and Tanahashi and Jay and Okada. Like Naito, I feel like is the last guy for Jay to have like a big feud with. It could be Naito's last big feud. Could be. And I reckon Naito beats him and yeah, Bullet Club turns on Jay. Well, I mean, it also would be nice. uh, really like cool that. to see the uh, passing of the torch, as you said before, Josh. It would make mm-hmm. sense if Naito is running it down and Jay is going to be the flag carrier and everything for New Japan going forward. It would make sense for you know Naito to have his last proper big feud with Jay. The sort of Rudos. And in in watching Tama recently, 
Yeah, I'm you're not suspicious. sold on karma as babyface <laughs> at all. I am super suspicious. The sm- Dave's is the smellness is like I don't buy it. Every uh, topic I don't buy it. I don't buy like, it. No. Nah. It's like I'm like oh Dave, you selling all this merch. I don't buy it. It's not nah. it's every time. I like how I like how somehow we turned a awesome Shingo's the most impressive boy red into Lij discussion. <laughs> well, I mean, I've event. barely spoken about Jay this whole time yeah. through G one. Like, oh, let me get he's into just it. doing his thing that I expected him to do. I'll talk to him when we get down to like yeah. semi-final spots. I but hope. Yeah. Um, yeah, if we don't, um, I was surprised, Red. I was very surprised. Uh, I Shingo, I, I, I agree. I think he's been great, but I. I think there's honorable mentions, especially Grado Khan. So I think Grado Khan is an honorable mention for his. I can't. I'll, I'll get to Grado Khan. Okay. Yeah. I think I know where that's coming. Okay. Yeah. Cut a great um, promo on that uh, after the J match. Uh, did everything. Uh, that, was, that was, did everything awesome. in that match. Yeah, that was yeah. epic. Talking yeah. about blood on the flag and fucking, I love his, his, um, He's like teeth mouthpiece thing. They're actually, they're, I thought it was just like a mouth guard with teeth drawn on it, but it's like a mouth guard with teeth on it. Yeah. I'm like, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Now he was, that was a great. <laughs> Everything. He it was a great performance from him. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, if we're doing most impressive boys, I'll, I'll go next. That's all right. If that's fine. You want sure. me to go? I'll jump in. I'll tag in. Uh Really great week from my team. I was really happy with my boys. They all did a, They all did me so proud. But undeniably, undeniably, not couldn't be couldn't be touched on my most impressive boy this week, Jonah. <laughs> Finally, the boy got a chance and had. Homer. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not to the extent of Finley because we didn't expect Finley. But he, Jonah, had one of the most impressive weeks of the tour. Like. Yeah, he had a banger with Cobb, which sort of like was was really good. And I was like, "Wow, that was great." He then was involved in a tag against the Dream Team. Him and uh, Bad Dude Tito, who gets honorable mention because I fucking love that guy. Yeah, he's, he's like great. he's so good in the Okada match where he's like, "Hey, pretty boy, I'm gonna slap the shit out of you." I was like, "This man is just just I, I want him at every match. I don't even care if he's at Jonah's matches. Just bring him out. Just he can second everyone. He's just so much fun." He just looks so WCW in 1997. He I mean, fucking like, does, doesn't he? He's I mean, so like great. everything about him. Yeah. Um, but then Jonah follows it up with that Okada match. And I'm so happy because one, you know, I I reached pretty high to draft him. You feel um, vindicated? I do. Remember right that night I said, I've been telling people in discords on Twitter, people yeah. have been shitting on him. I'm like, I'm telling you now. And then it started with him losing to Yano. Everyone's like, hur, hur, hur. and it's like, oh, he's been geeked out. Blah, blah, blah. When you see that boy up close, you know, yep. you know, he's a big host. You know, he is, yeah. he is something special. Like when mm. remember we got to watch him drink a tinny and slapping some bloke. And <laughs> it was like, it was just like, he was. He slapped him into another suburb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he was, he was three people wide. Like it was, yeah. it was, oh, like his, yeah. his back is just, and you don't realize until he's in person. And I didn't, I, I don't know his size because, as I said, I've been next to him. So I'm well aware of his just sheer mass. But it's when you see like him against Cobb and you were like, he made Cobb look this like, it, like I think Tom Law on commentary said they're like a Bushka doll. <laughs> it's like they're the same shape, but one's just a bit bigger. 
<laughs> yeah. One looks like a potato and the other one looks like a sweet potato. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. The spuds. And I tell you what, there's some potatoes flying in that match. But I do think uh, the match against Okada for, I have never, if you could dilute star making moment into like 30 seconds. Yeah. The final of his match mm-hmm. where there is a, he, it's the best thing about it is this. I give so much credit to Okada because Okada understood the assignment. He gets, he gets what the job is. It's like, and he does it. He does it every couple of years. He says, all right, who am I making? Like, okay, that's, that's the job. Mm. And he went into that match and the finish of it is the best thing about it is it comes from nowhere. It's Okada's up on the top rope. He goes for that, you know, that famous shotgun drop kick he's integrated into his offense. Jonah catches it midair, powerbomb, but then like fucking Vader just says, up you come, boy, go for another powerbomb, down you go. The crowd goes, oh, it's the Black Forest bomb. The crowd is realizing, oh shit, it's a mix of the, he might, that's that's his that's his setup for his finish. And they're like. The, the crowd, the, the crowd reaction was amazing. When the crowd reaction was, forest, they said, fuck. They, they were, yeah, they were like into it. They said, fuck like- the rules. Because he goes up, they start cheering. Like he goes to the top rope, he does the torpedo, the crowd is gasping, and they count one, two, three. I was like, Jonah ended the pandemic. It was like he just <laughs> did it single-handedly. It was like, let's not, we can't discount the fact that the Japanese crowd loves them a big beefy boy. They yeah, fucking yeah. love it. And a simple story, it just shows I just love a simple story told well will always trump anything in terms of investment <laughs> it just trumps everything you could have all the moves you want it was okada fighting against the odds against a monster this monster just standing in front of him and saying you like like he just stood in the ring center of the ring just to start the match jonah just stands the center ring like move me like you can't move me and okada does all this work to get him and the heat's on for the car to come back and he's setting up for that thing and then squash squash fucking squash and it was just (laughs) and it was this thing of just absolute beauty and the crowds got this sense of this guy is a force beyond a force like he he beat okada the guy who was unbeaten cool the way that it went down too because okada was doing all the tropes he he power slammed he finally hit the drop kick where it actually knocked jonah on his ass so it was setting him up to win that's exactly it and so it was going in that direction and you're like you know, didn't really expect. And then when he went to the top rope and Joni hit that first powerbomb, it was like, all right, cool. Well, Akata's going to now do something here. And the second powerbomb. That's a great high spot, right? You go, that's a great high spot. Yeah. No. Nope. Nope. And then it's like. I'm picking yeah. you up again and dumping on your head. And he goes to the top rope and he jumps on him and it's just like one, two, three. But he make, he wastes no time either. He goes to the top rope. He gets one foot on the top rope and then just launches. And, the cra- and it's impressive. Let's not kid ourselves. When you see it, it's like, holy shit. It's like an eclipse. And he, I just think every, he said, Red, there's patterns to this. And there's, everyone talks about Okada's pattern matches and everything. It's like he played it to a T. He understood, I'm going to get them to everyone to invest in me being able to overcome. And people had, have already, because Jay, the night before, everyone is thinking they're doing the parallel booking again. They're yeah, doing yeah. the thing again. Everyone, yeah, they're both going undefeated. They're yeah. both going undefeated to meet each other. It's like, no. And it changes everything. It's that beautiful moment where for 30 seconds, 
you can actually like hear the crowd thinking because you can you can hear them realizing oh well this, this might actually happen then oh what does that what does what does this mean and we know what the schedule is like everyone's trying to fucking figure it out and they're all conflating with this vicious violence that's occurring it was so good and then i said jonah tying it all back to being released a year earlier and sort of talking about him being i just beat the best pro wrestler in the world i have a big feeling i had a feeling before the tournament i have a feel i have a bigger feeling now it's they showing. are big into jonah they yeah. it feels that way doesn't it it yeah it does and like a, a true super heavyweight in new japan can change the top the top matches for the next year two years three years can, he can alter the way that they do their main events. They can completely offer something fresh and different. With he's got guys like imagine him and Tanahashi, like yeah. it changes the dynamic instantly. And it's like they've got Vader. Yeah, they've got Vader exactly. But it's it's the way that he beat Okada, just so decisive in his power moves. Like that's what Okada. That's what Vader did when he beat Anoki. Yep, it's Vader and Anoki washed him. Yeah. I mean, it's and cool everyone was like in shock, and that put Vader over his like, yeah, <laughs> that burning fucking cushions. But yeah, that was it, and that, and Chris Charlton made that reference immediately. Yeah. Like, he even pretended like the Okada fans are storming out, like he's trying to do that whole, <laughs> like, yeah, they were they were trying to tell that story, and they did it. What they did it the true Okada way. It was like I'll do the three minute squash, but I'll do it at the end of my patterned like story match where we get to the point, and then I'll do the three minute squash. It's like perfect. Let's do that. And also, too, like in the storyline of like what the commentary was saying was how like you know Carter's body is built for thirty-minute matches. Jonah's isn't, so he's got to get all of his stuff in quickly. But he did it in twenty-two minutes. He went. He went a long time, man. Like that. Everyone was telling me that Jonah can't do a twenty-minute. Everything that anyone said to be about Jonah, wrong, because he's he went back to back with bangers. I'm just glad that uh, all of us. Uh, New Japan and the whole world are finally having what, what we've had from day one of the draft, and that's a massive Jonah boner. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's true. Yeah. And I, I was like, I actually said, because I drafted him at the fifth pick, and I was like, I think that would have been too low. Because I, if, if, put it this way, if Okada's not winning A block, uh, which I think he is, but if he's not, I think Jonah would be the guy. So that's mm-hmm. the situation that they've found themselves in. Because Jonah's wrestling that last night against Farley. Fuck me, dead. If Farley ruins Jonah getting through, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> fuck. Oh. fuck me, dead. Yeah, yeah. That oh, would be around Farley. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's yeah. done it again. <laughs> he's done it again. But see, that's the thing. Like, it's such a great sign. It's I feel so good about it because ultimately, it's like Farley is the presentation of that big guy, and it's like mm. the super heavyweight thing. It's like they've found they've actually found the one found now one. where it's like found one that actually wants to wrestle yeah yeah that's yeah. it's keen to work and yeah. um and is in is in the prime of his career and and i think can do things that no other super heavyweight in the world can do so mm. i think they've got a good one and i if i were them i'd be getting that making sure that contract's lock and key because speaking um, of hunter i think uh yeah, yeah, I would be making sure that we've got him locked up because he can be like Jonah can be a top level marquee top guy in New Japan. Yeah, yeah. and a draw. Yep. Funny how they have they have Jonah, but they also have Cobb. Like but two yeah. of the best. But Cobb's so different. Game. That's the thing. I know, Cobb's, Cobb's, a, I know, I know Cobb's, Cobb's a heavyweight. It's not a super heavyweight. Yeah. And we thought we literally saw it, Red. We saw it in physical form. It's like Cobb is a special athletic talent, but Jonah's 
just like 40 kilos heavier yeah and like four inches tall like he's just he's just bigger like it's impressive mm. so yeah though and those two guys had great chemistry the girth of that man he's a girthy boy girthy boy <laughs> he's a girthy boy so I, I just i was just so happy to see it i wouldn't mind being girt by jonah <laughs> that's right we're girth by jonah <laughs> yeah australians all let us rejoice yeah, he's so girthy, he's girt by sea. <laughs> oh, okay, you up, Dave? Okay. Uh, can I do some honourable mentions before I... Yes, I'm very pleased to hear this, Dave. The honourable oh, mentions have returned for Dave. Yeah. Okay. A, a staple of our Stiff One coverage each year. So I have one honourable mention, and it, like these are all... I mean, these are honourable mentions based solely off... Um, well, not solely, but partly off... Um, backstage um, post-match interviews, which I really enjoy. I really enjoy the extra story bits they tell. Uh, And the first, my first honorable mention goes to Tanahashi, but it's, it's in collaboration with Goto because it was um, sort of before their match. Goto says in his interview, he's like, Goto says, Tana is not the only one bringing um, a shining ray of hope. And then Tana after is like, oh yeah, I heard what Goto says. He said, um, in order to shine, you must be strong of will. <laughs> and to, like, like low-key heel cunt Tana is my favorite Tana. <laughs> I love that sort of shit. The yes, the obnoxious, the cunt Hogan of the fucking. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So I love that side of Tanahashi. So whenever I, it's like just it's so subtle. Yeah. And in you know, uh, maybe the Jap. I would be keen to see if like the Japanese notice it or not. But in the English translation, it's like that's like one of the cuntiest things you could possibly say about Goto. Like yeah. basically, you don't have any will, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and you won't beat me. I'm winning the G1. Yeah. You need to be more like me. You're talking shit, mate. That's basically yeah. like you're full of shit, Goto. And then, um, yeah, watching the another honorable mention is Tamatonga, but not not so much for. I mean, this is a kind of combina- combining like guys. Um, what's the other thing, guys that we want to see more, see more of, or of. Do more or whatever? Yeah. So it's like the bland promo thing. This is like more sending me down the avenue that Tama is not really a face. I don't. I don't believe. I don't believe his promos at all. I don't want to go too off on a segue, but I'm interested in this because I this last week after we we spoke on uh, we did a, while we we're watching the matches and you were like I'm not sold, and I just paid attention to Tama this week just because he'd sort of planted that seed, and he has this t-shirt photo that is out there where he's putting on a smile, and mm. it looks like the most disingenuous thing. Contrived. Oh. And then he took a photo of taking the young boys out for lunch. I'm like, yep, I saw that shit as well. <laughs> I was like, and the same young boys he's going to be wrestling the next night. I was like, this remember, is, remember the bad guy, good guy, Tama, where he was the bad the good, guy. Bad guy. Like, I'm, the, I'm the good guy. And, you know, like he was playing the good guy. I don't believe him. I don't believe him. I think the fuckery is afoot. And Tama is involved in some way, shape, or form. The J match that increases the um, interest for me in the J match because his style isn't a 
I don't think it's like conducive to a face wrestler. It, I remember I said that like the the counter wrestler is such if you're a face, you like you look cowardly. <laughs> like Yeah. It just doesn't, it's got a weird flow about it. Anyway, and like like we, I mean, we pointed out the other day about like why oh, he hasn't had a lot of heels in his, but I think that that's part by design. I know they're trying to get to that J match, but I think it's by design. And did you see Taichi's comments about saying, I don't, I don't trust you? Yes, like that's the other thing I was going to talk about because I was just kind of going through a few of these, but yeah, Taichi, Taichi's post-match interview was like, him complaining and then stripping (laughs) and then posing the question. So you're a good guy now. I forgot. uh, And so you forgot about the time you beat Zach and my precious parts with a kendo stick. (laughs) And he's like, I'm going to expose you. I don't think you're a good guy. Yeah. Taichi's onto it. Taichi knows what's up. Because Taichi's a shit cunt and he knows what those people are are like. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you guys are allegedly to the fact that Tama's going to basically screw over Jay and take over as the leader of Bullet Club. Tama gets his revenge on Jay. I don't know how that how they get to it. I don't know if it happens at this G1, but I don't believe that this uh, that Tama as face, this this face character that he is, I don't think that's a long-term story. I think at some point he goes back to because it's they've still got he's still got i know it's like i know it's um god music and all that sort of stuff but that's heel music you know what i mean and he's it's so like his t-shirt is king of sports and a lion it's so it's so it's like he's playing to it yeah and i and at the moment you you mentioned i'm like i was like man he's really i thought he's like going to the territory elements of like trying to be the most you know, Memphis babyface style. Like I'm going to hit all the tropes, but I'm like, what is the most bullet club thing you could possibly do? And it's like, play the fucking tropes. Like, yeah. and it's, I just feel like, Oh, and the thing about it was he got kicked out on impact by Jay and Jay alone. Like, mm. and, and they turned and on him like after the thing and went with Jay, it's like, there's something going on. I don't know what it is. I don't know when it happens. I don't know what the go is, but the goal is, is you build up, Tama, because Tama's getting a lot of popularity, and then you turn him again, you turn him back, yep. and it's like this prick who got all our sympathy, and we all felt bad for him. And if you do a double turn and you switch Jay, yeah, that to me is the story that would that would make Jay a sympathetic guy because everyone would be like, oh, you know, he's been Tama did up. it again. Yeah. yeah, Tama did it again. It's like he's done it. I just think, I, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I, I, I put it this way. There's backstage comments. You got to the back. You just got to watch the backstage comments because they literally like some of these guys are spelling out some of these stories to make it clear to their fans to know. Like when I saw Taichi say the thing about their private parts, which is just great. Yeah, poor poor Taichi and and Zach's balls. But it's like it's. But there was little things like even you you look back now, like when Finley shook his hand in the tent, like how Finley was like, "I'm not sold on you." Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm just not sold. And the guy, like Tanahashi's the one that's trying to say, come on, guys, trust it. It's like nothing gets you more hate than if you fucking yeah. turn on poor old Tana. Yeah, He's like, yeah. try to convince <laughs> everyone that you're good. And it's like, and you, and like, you, but it's like Jado's there too. Like, you can't trust those fuckers. Like, you just nah, can't. Exactly. Exactly. 
I like even it. like even the like the gear that he's wearing and stuff. I'm like, there's nothing about that. Yeah, well, they they look like they look like fucking gamer chairs. That's what. Yeah, I'm yeah, too. yeah, they do. I'm like, it's just it's just something, and it's all the tropes. He's doing the Hogan spot, like yeah. it's yeah. The more I see it, the more I think that's an obnoxious. Like if ELP started doing that, everyone would be like, oh fucking wanker. Yeah, but it's yeah. like because it's Tama and it's because everyone feels like he's been humbled, they all believe it. But this guy's the OG. Like he's the and the thing is like he's got Carl there, like the, and it might tie back to that whole never thing and what they've done. Like they could yeah, be maybe. fucking everyone over. Mm. Like, why do you get the never belt off Tama before the thing? Like what like I, I'm still trying to figure out what that was about. Yeah. So anyway, smellness. Nice smellness. Um, nice segue into smellness, Dave. <laughs> um can i do a can i do a quote of the week from the um oh, jesus page? christ dave is yeah. bringing you got, you got smellness you got words a, and everything well everything it, my match quote of the week if dave brings us the he replaces match of the week for dave is quote of the week well this, is, I mean, this isn't even one of my guys it was just i was watching one of them and this was a brilliant quote and i was like as a typical of this guy and i just yep. fucking loved it it was from will osprey <laughs> And he's, talking about, quote. he's talking about Jay and he says, you've got so many nicknames now. What are you? The catalyst of pro wrestling. I don't even know what that word means. I'm dyslexic. You little cunt. <laughs> and the best thing is he said it in one breath. It was, yeah, like, yeah. It was like a single word. <laughs> I just thought that was fucking fantastic. Those um, two have got, those two have got a bit of chemistry. Those two. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jay come out and he cut this amazing promo. And he was also talking about like Will Ospreay's nicknames for himself. Yeah, what do you call yourself? Billy Billy Goat? Is that what it is? Billy yeah, Goat? What are you? Billy Goat? What the... <laughs> to be fair, let's just be real. That is like he's literally like we talk about knife at a gunfight and we expect that Jay White bring bring the knife. But when it comes to a promo battle, Osprey's bring a spoon to the fucking <laughs> to a tank. Yeah, but he'll get he'll get a five-star match out of that spoon. Oh, that's the thing. Like, oh yeah, everyone will rave about his matches. Meanwhile, Jay has burned him to the ground, <laughs> singed him <laughs> beyond any potential uh, like main event position. As he just, Look, I feel like, he, I mean, he's just much better now, just being himself. Yeah, so yeah. calling people cunts all yeah. the time. Like that's clearly just what he does naturally. You know, you know that's you know on YouTube that that is a like a that's hate speech now, cunt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was really? I was Yeah, got flagged for it. Yeah, I got flagged for cunt. So I don't know what the, I don't know what New Japan's going to do with uh, Will Osprey on their backstage promos on their YouTube channel. They might have to actually censor him. Probably, yeah, yeah. Mm. But it's it, I don't think they know yet. I think, but to be fair, yeah. when Will says it, I don't really know if anyone knew that he said cunt. Yeah, because he's like, I'm just actually. <laughs> it's like the way he said. <laughs> <laughs> like he just sort of said it as one whole word. I had to listen back to it. Like, oh, he just he just said. I mean, Billy's always. How did he cunt. say it again? I'm a dyslexic little cunt. <laughs> he said it like that. I don't know what that means. I'm a dyslexic little cunt. That's how he said it. Yeah, he said it like that. It was. It was kind of impressive. It's impressive. I'm a dyslexic little cunt. That's exactly how he said it. Billy, just stick to that. Just stick to being an an idiot that and just dyslexic. says what's on the top of your head. And everyone else will create the stories for you, bud. And I think that's the best use of that guy. Yeah. Because then Jay or whoever can just promo around. Yeah. Whatever nonsense he's speaking. 
<laughs> that's kind of the that's kind of the thing. And it works as a heel because people can just go, he's just shit. We're just oh, what is what just like oh, he's just speaking nonsense, whatever. And he's not fair fucks to him. He's not trying to be cool. Like he's nah. just saying whatever's coming into his head. And it's much better than him trying to like cut promos. Yeah, or ba- and baby face promos at that. Oh. Like, oh. yeah, I mean, him just being, just being a, almost like a McGregor prick. Yeah, he's, an, he's obnoxious. Yeah. But I think he is obnoxious. obnoxious. I think he is obnoxious. Yeah. And that's okay. Maybe not to that level. No, though. but I think he, I put it this way, I think him and Kenny don't like each other. Because yeah. I think they basically have the same, they think the same about themselves as each other. You know, like they both think, fuck, I'm great. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> fuck, I'm, I'm the best. I'm why, so don't, why, don't, why doesn't everyone think I'm the best? Because I'm the best. <laughs> like, isn't it obvious I'm the best? Look at my star ratings. They're the yeah, only yeah. two bastards that still bring that shit up. Like, meanwhile, you know, fucking woke King Gresham brings up the PWI rankings. These guys, <laughs> these guys are like bringing up star ratings right <laughs> you got to get on these levels it's just they're not at the right level but they're the only two they're honestly the only two guys other than the bucks that bring up the star ratings so it makes them insufferable cunts yeah and perfect situation for jay who refuses to talk to the man so like yeah perfect dynamic um but my my wrestler of the week and i'm gonna just slightly include the match because he didn't wrestle this week <laughs> <laughs> but my my wrestler of this week is kenta yes um, the great kenta the great kenta and i didn't i don't think i talked about kenta and goto last week with because that was like i fucking love that match yeah and I technically technically it was i mean it was it, it, it could we could argue it made it before after the blackout so it technically is this week yeah so i love that match and i love like the, the finish to that match, Kenta just basically cracking the shits with Goto <laughs> and me in the head fucking like three times. Um, oh, the best, uh, uh, just, I, I remember we were watching it, Dave, and I was like, uh, the, the the spot where he did the bit out of the, somehow he got out of the FTR thing, he got out of the um, GTR into the knee and the head. I don't know how he got vertical. I'm still unsure exactly how the, the, the physics of that work. Hunted Goto's head in the second row, yeah. And then and then Goto fucks up the, the GTS, followed by <laughs> Kenta saying, we're not going to fuck this one up and <laughs> just absolutely wallops him. The yeah. last five minutes of that match are hilarious. They are. They are yeah. ultimately are just two old blokes punching the ever-loving shit out of each other. Like, it's just <laughs> the best way. just gets over it. And he's like, you're heavy bastard. You're getting up on my shoulders and you're going to fucking take this. One of the best spots, the most underrated spots of the entire tournament is when Kenta has to lift Goto about three minutes before the end. And I think it was, was it Filthy Tom on commentary that was like, or someone was on commentary, I think it was Filthy Tom, or it might have been, um, I don't know, it was, it was Lance Archer saying, or yeah. like, he's like, it's really hard. Like go, it's like it's heavy late in the match. It's really hard because Kenta does this like slam, just a basic slam off his shoulders, and the look he gives when he gets up is like, ooh, ooh, it's like the <laughs> embodiment of like, ooh, that was that took a lot of effort, and it was just like you could just sort of tell like this is, and it was like clothing stretch now, Kenta, get your boots on, son, and he sort of psyched himself up, and they just like it was it was a 
it was a, like 20 minutes of the best pro wrestling ever because it led that led into the Finley Osprey match. And it was just like, yeah, you're yeah. on this high of like, I was like, I said to you at the time, how are these guys going to top that? Yeah. It was like, <laughs> they just <laughs> kicked the shit out of each other. And that's, I just love, I just, yeah. Kent is wrestling Naito today too, just quietly. Yeah, yeah. So, well, well, I mean, so there was that. And then there was like, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Kenta and his book, um his book promotions so i watched um i watched him do his backstage uh uh interview and um basically he comes out and he's going on about there's gonna there's been announced the second printing of his book and there's some pictures behind him where he's doing the interview that someone has stuck up and basically he's he's uh his interview goes like this goes on about second printing of his book Naito adopts Towns because he he likes their baseball team says Naito doesn't look like a reader tells a story about running to someone at the airport it's Naito's father (laughs) Kenta offers to send Naito's dad a copy of the book because he looks like a reader then he goes on about the person who did the signage about the second printing he then asks us to sing with him about the second printing whilst he mimes the words. <laughs> it was the most fucking random thing yeah. ever, but it was so compelling and just a great watch. Kenza's a master of self-promotion. And <laughs> no wonder that book sold out and they're printing it again. <laughs> it's, and the the they that goes with the undercard match with him and Naito, where Naito's getting his book signed. He's getting it signed. <laughs> and Naito's doing the leg shake. You're looking like red meeting Mick Foley he's like his legs are shaking he's like trying to get <laughs> and he's doing the whole gimmick and then and as we said we've we sort of hinted at it before in in areas Naito with his ungovernable streak literally grabs the grabs the book and then does the classic Naito hoy it in the yeah, air at well, which point Kenta is fur- maybe the most angry he's been <laughs> throughout this entire tournament of his indignity of having to see his book be like torn up and then Naito is now carrying the book like with his, he he signed it to Tetsuya. Like he signed everything on it. It's just, I don't like in an in a vacuum. Like this is why I love the like the New Japan G One sort of thing because everyone has this like grandiose image about what the entire thing is, and it's it's a variety show in the truest sense of it. Because Kenta is out here fucking just having the time of his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's books. won like one match or something. He doesn't care. He's just point. fucking around. But but he's able to never lose his heat. Like he, yeah. every like everyone's like, oh, he's Kenta. He's just having a bit of a laugh in the back, and he's a funny guy, and he's making fun of this stuff. But don't get on his bad side because he'll kick your fucking skull in. And it's like, it's almost like you placate Kenta. Like his gimmick is just let him be in the corner doing his weird things, and don't poke the bear. Like, yeah. and Naito is that's why it works so well because <laughs> Naito can't help but poke. He's just like. Yeah. So, and like when he's telling the story, you can tell he's kind of like making it up as he goes. He's telling a story about, oh, I went to the airport in Sapporo and I ran into someone. And he's like, it was Naito's father. And he starts laughing. Yeah. And then tells the cameraman, you, you, you know, it's like, you don't know. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the gimmick that he's figured out there, like it's so different. Like he's, his comedic timing is the best in New Like Yano just has to retire at this point because it's like Kent is out here doing yano better than yano and able to do <laughs> like these comedy spots that are just and I, again like people will look back at kenta's tournament and go like oh you know he wasn't he didn't have these like like all these bangers or whatever but it's like 
they're so Kenta. Like his match against yeah. Evil, like where he goes under the ring and gets a book, and Chris Charlton is like <laughs> speculating he might get a book, and then he gets a book, and the boys just there's pop. He pops. They're like, he is so perfect. He's the most Bullet Club Bullet Club guy there is. Like he's yeah, just yeah. fucking around. But if you need a guy, if you need a guy to to heat up in you know two days, <laughs> we just need to get a guy ready. Yeah. Can't you just switch, flip the switch and I'll give oh, you a... Yeah, he would just turn into a killer overnight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just do it. It's fine. And like some of his matches, he just goes, he just has like five minutes where he's like, I'm just going to be real serious. And yeah. then he just starts beating the fuck out of whoever he's wrestling. Yeah, and it's... He's, Makes he's, the match look legit even if he loses, so... Yeah, he's had the matches with Zach and and the matches uh, the match with Goto and I'm a sh- and the match with Naito will be that I'm sure yeah, like yeah. it will be fuckery and then it will get violent and that's that's this that's this stuff like I just think I just think that he's a fun character that is not the Kenta of old and that's okay yeah we don't need the Kenta of old Kenta doesn't need the Kenta of old like I don't think Kenta the Kenta of old at this point Kenta would turn to dust if he tried some of the stuff he did as a kid <laughs> like I just don't think it's feasible advisable possible but uh he's so much fun I'm with you and there are people on Twitter that are like they're singing to the like they're, they're trying to convert people to the new church of Kenta yeah because they they're like this guy is the best, and oh, because he's, he's because he best speaks, I love Kenta. because he speaks Japanese and stuff. People don't see him as a, but like as a promo, like if you take into all account the things that he's doing, and the like, who thinks to engage the cameraman? <laughs> like he's figured out a way to, and like he keeps calling the like, and then like the stuff, like the bow staff stuff, and like it's so weird, and I don't yeah. know what the go is. I just don't know. I don't know what his fascination is with with sticks. But like, <laughs> it's a thing, and you or and it's like you have to. It's like his story, his character is like I create this alternative universe thing, and you and he bullies you into placating him. That's his thing. Like he bullies you into like the cameraman. I bully you into following me along, and to, and when you just when you mindlessly follow me along, and you say something that's wrong, I'll call you out immediately. Like that's not that. And he's, yeah. he's scary because they're like oh, like he's a bully. But he's like a lunatic. It's just yeah. a very interesting character. I'm. I love this Kenta. Please yeah, don't change too. Kenta. And and like keep calling out Shibata online. Oh, too. yeah, yeah. Everyone gets excited <laughs> when they see that. Yeah, they're like, because can you imagine it? He will just shit on Shibata. He'll shit on him constantly, and then you just know that will be the most heated match that may, like it. And they're best buds, so yeah, it's yeah. it'll be safe. But it, I, it won't. Well, maybe it won't. It'll I don't be know. Though. Pinto saying, "Just kick the fucking fuck out of me." Yeah. So he's like, "Okay, so I'll go for your legs, Shibata, but you can go for my head. We'll just figure yeah, it. We'll yeah. figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to fall we'll off something. Yeah. I'm going to jump off something at some point. It'll be great." Uh, yeah. I mean, if you booked that at Wrestle Kingdom, <sighs> you wouldn't need to put another match on. I'd watch that. I'd pay all the money. For that. <laughs> yes, all of the monies. That's your main yeah. event in any arena. Put that on. Yeah, that'd be great. We'll see. Oh, that's great, Dave. I, I really liked your most impressive boy that kind of wrestled a match this week. <laughs> you literally have Kenta and Shibata as night one of Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, just, just fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah full three hours. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That'll be okay. Kenta does the first two hours doing a book tour. Yeah. And then and then he breaks into a match at the end. It's a book they signing. Just- they, then, they just keep cutting back to them, and it's like, and Kenta's name in the face. <laughs> Kenta's oh, continue. This? No, Shabbat is going for a headbutt. 
No. Yeah, yeah, that would be the scary. Like seriously, that's the only thing that I would be concerned about. Kenta and Shibata is Shibata falling into Shibataisms. Kenta yeah. just starts using his shoulders. Everything he's just using his shoulders. Shibata's using his head. It's I just like, don't think you can trust him. To <laughs> that's probably why they haven't booked the match yet. Is they're like, we really want to do this angle, but, but will you yeah. be? Will you play it safe? Oh, I don't know if we can. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we'll be safe. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. And someone overhears well, them talking other spots. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Red, you've but you've you've te- have you you've been teasing us for this the the next this, the middle rope favorite story match. You've yes. said that this is this is the tease. Yeah, because I, I don't I don't really go into stories, so I just go into matches. Okay. Um, I like how I always feel every week favorite story match. I feel like the match pass just always included for me. Uh, my my yeah, no, yeah. yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but we're here, for, my, we're here for everyone. My favorite story match uh, was Jay versus the Great Okan. Yes, Red. Uh, um, just simply because uh, I think about like uh, like a couple seconds into it, Jay's Jay's jumping out of the ring, going "What the fuck?" What the? He's just going "What the fuck?" Fuck, fuck, fuck. He's just like the way he was reacting to Great Okan going for his legs, and he's like "Fuck, fuck, what." What like, like this? What the fuck? Like like you know? <laughs> yeah, when then, Okan's trying to like legit shoot on his legs. Yeah. yeah, and then and then like as the match goes on and everything, like yeah, Jay got a lot of shit in in that match and really beat the piss out of Okan. I thought, which was which was great. You know, to see you want to make someone look strong, good, you know, all that kind of stuff. Have him beat this mysterious gigantic dude in the Great Okan. Um, but there was just so many. There was just a good blend of like seeing a guy that I'm into taking on a guy that is actually amazing in Jay, but just what they were doing with each other, like the parts where Okan was mocking Jay and Jay's like, you call me chicken. And then Jay's just, was just, just going to a different level. He's like, I'm fucking out of the Yeah. Like everything about that match, I was really, really into. Um, mm. Even like, even like the way that you were trying to see Jay figure out how he could hit the switchblade, which I found super, super smart. Like, just how great Okan was using it, like the claw, trying to go for the mandible claw. That really he- interesting interaction, Red, because Okan was clever. He was mm. figuring out what Jay was trying to do with the legs mm-hmm. as the match went on, too. So they were kind of, they're kind of trying to figure each other out. Yeah, yeah, and really that's interesting. and that's and that's like yeah, exactly. And and but just the way that Jay pulls it off by, and he he went he tried to do it like a couple of times, and it's really like. About say five minutes, it was Okan with the claw and Jay just trying to figure out how he could hit the switchblade. Uh, I just, but I, but the just the way the Jay's desperation when he hit the switchblade, Blade Runner, sorry, um, here's the switchblade. I just love the desperation Brief. of the way it, yeah, I watch wrestling, um, but just the way it, he, you know, he hit it off balanced and you know, just drove his head into the, like the ground mm-hmm. and then covered for the pin. And it, but had to like physically get the claw off his face. The claw like, off like his face, face exactly. Yeah, literally had the claw still in his face and everything and still hit the Blade Runner. Yeah. To me, when I was watching that, I'm like, like, Okan was a threat at different times to win the match. And I was yeah. like, oh, shit, he might fucking win here. And I thought that was really creative on both of their parts, but, but particularly on Jay getting that over that, and I feel like Okan at some point is going to get like a pretty significant win on Jay, maybe like a New Japan Cup or something like that. Like 
Mm. He's not far off. There's a there's a good sort of he's got like a style to beat Jay. And Jay got away with a win here and this one, but he had to be super creative to get to it. Um yeah, I reckon I reckon the two of them have got that that'll be an interesting sort of thing down the track. We'd never really seen it. That was the thing that I like in this G1, there are certain matches that you just haven't they just haven't really interacted very much. And it was like mm. these two you're like, what would it like? I always felt it was going to be kind of good because it was so just such a weird clash of sort of styles. But it was like, like, Great O'Khan is obviously not being, he's like not getting the big push this, this G1. That's not sort of his, we talked about that last week. He's sort of just, he's, he's, he's there and he's going to get um, opportunities to shine. I thought this was a, I thought it was a masterful J wipe. I just thought this was, I just thought this was just neat. I thought this match was neat. Mm. I just was like, I struggled. I'll, I'll admit, I struggled to get initially into Osprey Shingo that followed it because I just was wrapped in all the little things that I had just seen in the, the Jay Okan. I was like trying to think about the last like four or five minutes of the Jay Okan match where exactly how I felt. Yeah, the whole first was it so different. The whole first bit of the Jay. Um, Okan match was Jay going for his legs and like taking his mm. legs and finding ways to get his knee and doing like some nasty stuff in the ropes and just you know doing dragon screws which is always and then doing the um Tanahashi the show, yeah the yeah. air guitar which is you know he's signaling that idea of the TTO and he's like I also like the idea of the of the king switch subbing the dom I think that would be a nice <laughs> I think that'd be a really nice story that could have happened um but I do think that uh, that was kind of the the run that I mean Jay's playing at level. You saw the that's, promo. That's, that's like a kink level onion layered onion. <laughs> There's levels. Uh, you saw the promo we told Greta Khan to get down on his knees and like yeah. <laughs> like and Elf and Tatham in the background going like where's this going? Uh, uh, so there was a little bit. He knows what he knows what a king switch is. He knows what he's talking about when he's saying that shit. Yeah, and against the dominator, like <laughs> he was going for the sub, and uh, I do think, and so I was like, if this happens, I was like, if this happens, I'm just my tweets, my I, uh, they were they were, they were in the drafts, they were ready to go. Yeah, but I was like, oh, straight on field and <laughs> instantly, instantly there. Um, but I do think that what ended up sort of happening was that I, everything I was expecting in the same way, I felt like. I felt like Jay and Okada did very similar things on the on the two nights in Osaka. I thought Jay's job was get Okada over at a level that is different to what he's been previously presented as, as because he's like seen as this like the sort of the Mongolian sort of savagery, like that's his kind of gimmick, like the ghost sort of that weird spirit thing or whatever. And he's meant to be like this, but he's. When he gets in the ring, he's like a really clever shooter that understands. Um, he un- he's violent and he understands how to. Um, basically, he's a dominator in the sense that he's like a good old fashioned wrestler. Like he hmm. will, he will dominate you and break your will. And with Jay, who's who's that's kind of Jay's thing is to break your spirit, like to kind of break you mentally. And it was like you could figure out that Jay halfway through the match is like, I'm not going to be able to break this guy. Like, yeah. I don't think I can break him down. And then not only that, he starts going for chop blocks. He starts going, and Okan knows you're going for my legs and he's dodging him and draw, and Jay's like flying around missing. And you can just see that. And when Jay gets into that desperation mode of like, fuck, 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 that's not working. That's not working. 
and when he gets exasperated, it's it's his best character trait because he has to figure something out on the run. It's where he almost like gets creative. And that whole last couple of minutes where him just like, oh shit. And he basically he's getting fucked over. It's it's near the end. It's like he's got the claw on, he's doing the fucking sheep killer, he's hitting the back break. Yeah, getting stretched over his knee and yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, and he every time he goes, like every time he goes, something I can't somehow finds a way to get his claw to his face. Like even mm-hmm. when he's like in a, he's like got him in the like half and half, and Okan's like, hand over the top of your head, and I'll find you. And just to get into that, like the, the I survived, like I survived, great Okan. I think that's a great story for Okan to be like. That's that's kind of the impression I got. Is that the next time that Jay has to take on Okan, he won't want to. You exactly, he'll remember that match. That's exactly the impression I got at the very end. It was. Jay narrowly got out of that one, but you'll actually see him go white yeah. when he knows he has to take yeah. on Okan. The real Jay White. I feel like that that uh, that'd make a good new Pornhub category. I survived the Great Okan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's tremendous. The storytelling you get. Make that a t-shirt. Yeah. yeah it'd be yeah. a good t-shirt. I survived the great O'Kan. But isn't he he's such <laughs> an odd but he can't the thing about it is though, the, the crowd didn't want to boo that man. Like nah. he can't be a he can't be he's a face. O'Kan, you can't boo that man. You can't he's boo that too man. Too many good things for yeah. yeah. Like he has sex with people who need it. Yeah, who they ask him and he obliges. That is that is O'Kan. He's a hero. And, yeah. And I just think he's He's just so, I just think he's neat. <laughs> I just think Gary yeah. neat. And the biggest takeaway, the most important revelation of this week was Dave Meltzer absolutely raving, not only about Jay White, but Dave Meltzer said he likes the great O'Kan. It is, it has happened. It took two years, but old Meltzer has turned around on great O'Kan. Now, interesting, not to go into the whole Meltzer rant, but Dave Meltzer was very very happy about New Japan this week and was very positive about New Japan this week. It was it sort of knocked me over a feather. I was like, oh my God. Meltzer's like he was he called the two Osaka shows the two of the best shows of the year. Maybe like, um he's getting out of favor over in aid. <laughs> I think that might have happened. <laughs> I think talking about the TV deal might have got him off the off the good list. Yeah. And he's gone back to old faithful. Um but it was very surprising because obviously some of the biggest detractors of Great Khan has been Wrestling Observer news. You know, that's been an area that have constantly said, you know, oh, great wrestler shit gimmick. Mm. There was no discussion about that anymore. It's, I like him. He's figuring it out. And it's like, mm. yes, he is. And, but he also, but Belser also made a point of Jay White just had the most incredible performance he'd seen. He was like, that was a, and when you hear, because Jay White was also a divisive character. Like, yeah, people forget, like, we've been on, Jay Island for a long time. When no, when we were the only yeah, ones, <laughs> we were the only ones on population. Was it was like return from excursion that Tanahashi match, and we're like, there's some, there's some things in there, yeah. and everyone's like, fuck him. And Okan had a very similar situation where he returned from excursion, was like shit gimmick, shit thing, and that's what they said. The same thing they said about Jay. And Okan is a, he's a project. He is, yeah. he's, he's going to be a big, big, big time guy. I I can see him winning a title at Wrestle Kingdom and then delivering one of the best speeches without a microphone in the dome, in the entire dome where no one can hear him. Blowing out his vocal cords. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> just absolutely destroying himself to try to get that that over. Yeah. That that but that whole thing with the claw, like that move, there's only a handful of people I can remember from the top of my head. Literally. Who who do that. But it really, the way he was doing it, it was like um like a horror villain just kept coming back. It just what he did, Red, I like what you said. It, it's kind of like your idle hand, like he's just something out yeah. always there. Yeah. But he was vicious and he was like going for the eyes, he was going for the mandible claw, he was going for the nose. Yeah. He was like youth in his he was like just I'm gonna like a find somewhere to yeah. I mean it's yeah. in Australia, we like in Australia, ironically, we call it a facial <laughs> where you basically <laughs> rub your hand all over someone's face. Uh and O'Khan is giving out facials. And yeah, O'Khan gives out facials that make hey, more ways than none. <laughs> One that is a layered onion. <laughs> this Okan is going to be the mascot of this show. It's not going to. It's not going to take long. Oh, uh, the stiff one. <laughs> he is the stiff one. No wonder why he comes out wearing a mask that has a question mark. It's like some not. sort of random generated porn thing. Yeah. What's he going to get tonight? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's the best. He's the best. That was yeah, Red. I I'm with you. I that match was sick, man. Like this, it was great. Yeah, it was like you know, like just. That the way it started, I was hooked. Just Jay's interaction with him, because it looked it was like think about it from like Jay's perspective. Every time he wrestles someone, he kind of does the like the talking a bit of shit and that sort of stuff straight away. And then he often gets the upper hand early in matches, whereas immediately he's faced with a guy who drops low and shoots mm. his like ankle like to ankle tap him basically yeah. the take a low angle and then get his and, back and then like Charlton did a really good job of, of saying immediately like oh he's got that sort of he's got that amateur background and Jay doesn't have an amateur background and so yeah. like a guy who doesn't not an amateur he would be like what the fuck is this big crazy dude doing oh. why would he go so low on me you know Charlton's still been saying like Jay's well like still made sure that he protected Jay like well versed yeah, in the no-go yeah. dojo but he's like but there are levels and he's like Okan is three-time all Japanese like shooter like you, this guy, if he gets you like that, and and Okan doesn't get to do that very often. He does it against yeah. Seth, and he doesn't get. This is his chance to show like, I'm a legit shooter. Like he's a he's a world class judo player too. Like he's a like bring that into the game. Whew. That'd be cool. He he'll he'll move you. He'll he'll move you where you need where you need to go. And mm. that first couple of minutes, you're right where where Jay like gets gets sort of swallowed by Okan, mm. and he's like mm. trying to like he's like frantically trying to swim Get his way out of ropes it. And yeah, yeah. You know, like, and then he's like, oh, what the fuck was that? And it's like, I, what did Jay say to the referees? Like, I know this is a big deal to you, but don't fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, because it's a, it's a young ref, got a new, got a set. Yeah, I know yeah, this is a Kento, big match to you, yeah. don't fuck it up. Yeah, because <laughs> he finally got a semi-main, big Kento. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, but you're right. Like, he did everything. He grabbed him by the hair. He he just was like, it was, oh, yeah. those two are going to have. They're going to have some matches. Um, yeah. yeah, they're going to have some some matches in the future because that's the thing like you just remember like jay's still like he's still young and okan's still young and well just i mean the future you you look at like you know from okan's previous matches in singles and stuff like that i wasn't really wowed i was actually quite disappointed and i think that's why this match stood out so much for me b block's hard though it is a hard block yeah. man like yeah i i think too like with a lot of these guys i feel like it's just like it's like a taster like a dip your toes in this year 
We'll give you a taste. Here's a couple of spots. You'll get a marquee win and there'll be some spots, some key spots that'll elevate a story. And then next year will be, you know. Well, I think Okan got it. Like if Okan was in last year, right? So he was in, he, and I think he got a lot of shine. He got a couple of really, he, cause he got, he won early. Like he got a big push early. He was the classic win your first couple and then fade. Yeah, yeah. And so, and that obviously elevated him to be able to do the, tag run and stuff like that was the idea like team up with with Cobb and you can sort of learn under him sort of that classic trajectory they do with basically every guy um and this year it's like he's gonna not do as well as he did last year he's just not because he had a better year last year and that's a cool story for him because it's gonna be yeah. like oh what have I got to do to to get to that next level and he's he feels like if I were him I'd think I'm pretty close to the world champ like I'm pretty close to being at the top, so I don't have to do much. Um, Mario said something really interesting in um, his post match the other day. He said, "I've I've had a big win over Tanahashi, and I got really close, but I've lost against some other key guys. But next year, I know how to beat you. So I feel like some of these guys, I feel like, oh yeah, like they're, they're just going to get a little shine, being some." Well, Some you saw that with down. Hanare and Naito. Naito gave Hanare 90% of the match. He just said, yeah. do, do most things and I'll just win. <laughs> and it's like that positioned <laughs> it to be like, okay, well, this guy, can he's, he can get you, you know, and and he just isn't experienced enough to be able to figure out how to do that last three minutes. And that's the level that you have to get to. And Okan got so close, but he just didn't, he just didn't prepare himself to, he didn't think that Jay could do that, but the the good the, the best ones can do that. That's kind of the story. It's like there's no way you can get the Blade Runner from here. Oh fuck, you know, like that's mm, yeah, yeah. And and the key for Okan will be figuring out something else to get him, something that he can do that Jay won't expect again. And yeah, the way they set that match up and the story they told, it's kind of like Okan's whole gimmick is I'll figure you out and I will I'll come back with something and I've got the I've got the the best combination of. He's the, he's the, like the same way that Jay, it's kind of interesting because the same way that Jay tricks people into thinking that he's not like he's cunning, but he makes people think he's, he's a wimp or he's up. It's all mind games. And Okan's very similar. It's all mind games. I'm a savage. I'm a, I'm a wild man on this stuff. It's like when the bell rings, when the bell rings, I'm really smart. And I, and I think about this stuff. And you only have to listen to his promos. He's clever. He always talks about things about you think you were going to do this and you're going to be, you know, the, the empire is going to be doing it. Like he's, he's the guy. He's got some, he's got something special. And he's so, I don't know what he is. <laughs> like, I don't know what kind of character he actually is, but um, I think he could, I, what I see him morphing into is kind of like, uh, like, like a Muto type character where he's got, the great Okan is like the great Muda mm. and he's got like the Okan, which is like his serious shooter. And when he gets really like when it's big match time, he turns into the the great Okan. I could see that being his evolution where he sort of morphs more into a serious sort of professional shooter kind of wrestler. But when it's wild and crazy, he can go really wild and crazy like a Kishin Liger or a great Muda. That's where I sort well, of see him going. Two, two, two things involving Shingo. One, <clears throat> When I was watching that match, I was, th- I was, and then the Shingo match followed. I was thinking to myself, man, I'd love to see Great Khan and Shingo. Like, that would be really, really fun. And then I started thinking, how cool would they as a tag team be? Because they'd be called, they would be called the Sex Dragons. 
<laughs> That's the important, the important points, Ruth. The key point. That's what I bring to the table, boys. That's some that's some wild conspiracy book. That's there. that's very L O J. I'm a fan. G O K. It was accidental. It was for humor. I didn't conspiracy book. It's interesting. I just want to. I'll bring a question. In speaking of, just to go towards you, Red, just at this point, because we're sort of talking about those where Grodo Khan sort of sits, and it's from uh, Miss Doom. We know Miss Doom at Miss Doom. Southern, the su- Southern Thirst herself. Yes. So she asks, "Hello to my favorite lads and Red." Uh, Hello, Miss Doom. I love you too. Yes, yes, tremendous. It's been a great uh, tournament. She is one of the boys. (laughs) Fully, fully in there now. Uh, It's been a great tournament for the mid carters this year. Who has been the biggest standout so far? She says my MVP has been Yoshihashi, the king of Corican Hall. Uh, (laughs) Yoshihashi obviously deserves a a shout out. Every he's been great. Like I, I concur. He's been Mm. great. Every match a winner. Like he's had great matches. Um, and I just think the story of him is great that he's got there. That's kind of it. Like I, I think yeah. he's that's about as far as it goes, but it's like he's he's actually like a thing. Like he you can yeah, yeah. like he's not an afterthought. He's an actually afterthought. like plausible. <laughs> Which mm. if you watch New Japan for the last five, six years, that is a stunning statement. Like, yeah, yeah. Because his whole character, not it wasn't just like it wasn't it, it was his character. Was yeah. I'm a failure. Like that, yeah. I came up with Okada. My gimmick is I suck. Yeah, my gimmick was I wrestled yeah. Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. And if I'd won that, I would have Okada's career, but I lost and I've had the <laughs> shittest career ever. And that's the that was his story. It's like, who signs up for that? <laughs> Yoshihashi. <laughs> Yoshihashi does. That's who. Just give me a job, Yoshi. <laughs> yeah. But his 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 run has through the pandemic he was a he was a guy that was there and he he, he just saw his... the he just saw the stick and they're like aren't you sure you want to know what your character is i don't care <laughs> no. i just want the stick <laughs> once he found the stick the stick became life and yeah. he lost the loose explosion he got he got back up and he just he's figured himself out so i i concur he's been great um i i'll just ask it as a general question who of the tournament so far who's your of the mid-card mvp who's the mid-card mvp for us just Filthy. Mid, so you think he's been the what? What is a mid carter? Yeah, what? Explain the mid carter. We're talking like the matches before. Low carter, mid carter, low carter. Yeah, mm. I love Dave's concept. I think it's the greatest concept ever. The O carter, the mid carter, and the low carter. Because an O carter is the, the tippy top, tippy 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 top. Yep, the top boys. The mid carter is the ready to go, the fourth pillar spot. Yeah. The the re- reoccurring pillar, the like whoever needs to come in for the week. And then your low carders are just there to take pins and support the tags. Filthy, so filthy is a low carder. I would say thus far. Filthy's filthy. The thing about filthy is I don't know where he falls in the New Japan hierarchy. I haven't quite figured that out yet. I don't Mm. know where he fits in the in the ecosystem that is New Japan Pro Wrestling. I haven't figured it out. Okay. I'm I'm gonna say Tai Chi. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. There's something about Tai Chi that I've seen that I just thought he's been brilliant this G1. His presses, his matches have been really entertaining. There's something about Tai Chi. Yeah. There is something about Tai Chi. Oh, they told him to stop crying. There's yes. other boys to look at. Yeah. Oh, there's other boys to lying. There's other boys to look at. They tried to set him up with Tiffany and Indigo. 
but there's something about Tai Chi they don't know. <laughs> tai Chi. There's just something about Tai Chi. Uh, well, thank you for picking. Thank you for picking someone from your team, Randa. I appreciate that. I'm going to pick someone from your team. I'm going to say David Finley is the best mid carder. Yeah, MVP. MVP you want so far? The MVP. MVP yeah. I mean, you can't deny. Can't deny. It's a pretty impressive elevation. Pretty, pretty impressive. Mm. My, my mid card MVP uh, is, I'd say, ELP. Yeah, I really liked ELP. I think he's done a lot in both categories of terms of matches and in terms of story, which is a good segue for me to go into my uh, my match story of the week. And I am going to pick a match story that will be, uh, I would say, somewhat polarizing. Uh, and I don't care. We actually have a question, a returning question. I remember from back in the day, early listener. Great to see the question coming back in from ZK, a ZKG. Yes, ZKG, um, at ZKG underscore zero, uh, who mentions my uh, favorite match uh, story. And that is, he asked the question, that Juice ELP match got me thinking about an ELP face turn. Do you think that may be incoming soon, if ever? And what I say to that ZKG is, I got that match got me thinking too. And we all know that I've been on the, the ELP face turn is coming soon train i've been a big proponent for the elp stuff I've, i think we've been seeing it i think it's been pretty conscious but this match uh and i i know dave i know i'm talking about one of your boys so i'm assuming i'm not sure i'm pretty sure is this this is going to be my match story is this a match story that you or two are interested in talking about yeah we'll just we'll just uh tag team this one then yeah? yes yes you could right. be juice i could be elp so we'll just fuck right, out so <laughs> But the, this, I, this match got me thinking about a lot of things, right? And I'll get to the, the story of where ELP is going soon. But I just, it, there's, there's something that I just can't handle, right? I just, it's just, it, it's been boiling this G1. It's been, it's an undercurrent. It's been, you know, simmering along. And I've been on Twitter as, you know, at WeWorkStiff on Twitter, you know, tweeting about the tournament. And, you know, I've kind of enjoyed a lot of the matches and stuff and, Everyone on Twitter, you know, people are calling for why, where's the big work rate? Where's the big match of the year candidates, blah, blah, blah. And, and then obviously Osprey and Shingo give them one and they go, yeah, great. This is the G1's back or whatever. Meanwhile, you know, the match of the night happened the, you know, 20 minutes before it. <laughs> but, but nonetheless, the, the, the sort of narrative is, oh, there was a tweet that came out from someone and they were like, oh, because obviously Takeshita and Claudio had a really great match on the Battle of the Belt show, or whatever it was. And everyone's like, oh, you know, this is just the best wrestling in the world. This is the best. And it was a great match. It was tremendous. Awesome. But like, I mean, someone's tweeted out, oh, you know, the G1, the AEW is having better G1 matches than the G1, which again, annoyed me because I'm like, well, they can't have a G1 match because it's not in the G, it's not in the G1. So the yeah. G1 is a tournament, you see, and the matches in the tournament are called G1 matches because they take place in, in said tournament. tournament. Yes. Yeah. But they're like, oh, I'm, I'm assuming you're implying like work rate matches. Right? I'm assuming that's what you're implying. It's like, yeah, of course. That's what the G1 is, work rate matches. And I just wanted to spell this notion that for some reason, the G1 has always been about just the best matches. It has been a tournament of the best wrestlers, right? The best wrestlers telling their stories 
And as a consequence, when you get two of the best wrestlers in a ring, it's a very good chance that they're going to have a really good match. But the intent isn't just to go out and have good matches. The intent is to build their entire narrative for the, the entire rest of the year. It's to build yeah. them to the big, the biggest shows of the year. It's to propel the stories for the next six months. And sometimes that takes the shape of like the these awesome five-star classics. And sometimes it takes the shape of juice and ELP. Yeah. And both are valid and both serve a function. Now, if you're watching just for good matches and that's all you're checking in on to check to watch the good matches, fair fucks to you. Great stuff. You can pick and choose. You don't have to watch Juice and ELP. But if you are interested in those characters, if you're invested in the, the stories they're trying to tell for those characters and the propulsion and the and the direction of each character, it is essential. This match will be essential viewing. It'll be a match that people will, ref, will reference in years to come, with, especially in relation to ELP. I think there's a lot of stuff in there that people will, talk, will call back to as that was the moment. These, these are important. Your, your beloved Kenny Omega was famous for this sort of shit. And he would have these awesome five-star matches. And then he would have these fuck-arounds. He was renowned for this. He, when he was wearing those funny pink and blue tights, fuck around Kenny's here tonight, baby. And yeah. it, was, it was like it was part of his character. And this idea that we look back with rose-colored glasses, and I won't deny it, like 2017, 2018, 2019, insane top end of the card insane but i still feel like if you want great top end main event matches there has been plenty in this tournament that have that have lived up to that billing some that have gone above and beyond it but if you want story and stuff you have to take you have to take this thing with this and i just think uh, this is going to be a weird tangent and i apologize in advance but i'm going there anyway so this week for some reason, I decided to watch the 1992 Western Unforgiven, the Clint Eastwood story, right? The, the old, the, the, I was like, it's been 30 years. I want to check this film out because I hadn't seen it in, I don't know, 15. And I was like, everything I remembered about it, right? So my memory of that movie, and it, it was like, it started off incredibly slow. I was like, huh. Like the first hour is really slow. Film. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, man, this is slow. And luckily for me, my phone had just died. So I had it on the charger. So I wasn't sort of looking for my phone, but I was like thinking, you know, how many people when they're watching stuff and there's like the second screen experience is a new thing now and people are checking their stuff, not paying attention. And I was thinking like, if you're, so what's the purpose of watching the movie? Like, what was I doing? Like I was interested in, like there was clearly a narrative function of like these characters and sitting with them and like relating to them and seeing the growth, understanding, speaking of the Tama Tonga stuff, understanding that character being, trying to convince himself that he's a good guy. Yeah. And like sitting with that and and not forcing it. In the same week, I also watched the, the new film Prey that's out, which follow, adopts a very similar approach of time and space and sitting with things. And I was like, people get on and they criticize a, like an Okada match or they criticize a Jay White match because like the first 10 minutes is really slow. And they're like, nothing's happening. I, I just want to get to the good stuff. And I'm like, why would why do you care about the good stuff if not for the bits where you're sitting with them and you're moving yeah, with them? Building the anticipation is what makes the good stuff the good stuff. That's it. Getting to that point, the reason the Jonah Okada finish hits the way it hits is because the first 20 minutes or the first 18 minutes of that are Okada telling a story that you think you know where it's going. 
if you don't get there, it doesn't hit the same way. It doesn't have the impact and you don't get the, all the benefit of it. Like the benefit of a character getting over in a match like this is that he can lose because he's had 15 to 18 minutes of character development that you've sat with. But if you just skip it or you say, I don't want to watch it, that's fine. But you can't then say, well, I don't see what's happening. And I've heard this critique for this match as well for Juicy LP thing where people are like, they did a DQ finish. They don't, why? There's been so many chair shots. Why don't they do that? And it's like, have you not been paying attention? Like, it's pretty clear, rightly or wrongly, New Japan has a pretty hard and fast policy in regards to DQs. If you do it outside the ring, if the ref doesn't see it, it's not going to be like if it's in the yeah. ring and the ref's down, if you hit him, that's fine. If, if the outside the ring, that's fair play, but you don't do it in the ring. That's a pretty established understanding. Everyone knows that. But it's like, I get the feeling that people are tuning out for those spots because they're patterned, right? And it's like, yeah, if I watched Unforgiven every night for six weeks, I would tune out the first bit in the last 15 minutes. I'd still be getting pumped for because that's a fucking amazing crescendo. But the the point here being is is that like that's you maybe we're not supposed to consume things in that particular way, but it doesn't make them less valid. Doesn't mean that it's not a functional way to tell a story. It's just you you it's like it's just you're watching every night. You're like, oh man, I, I know where this is going. And sometimes you can lose sort of tune out or whatever, which or leads us all the way back to I also think we don't throw it in the bin. We just accept for for what it is. But it leads us back to when you get a match like Juice and ALP. You can't complain because I haven't seen anything like that in a New Japan ring. Uh, maybe ever. Like, yeah. What, what was this match? Like, what was it? And it was three matches in one match. And when it got good, it got incredibly good. Like, it kind of scared me how violent it turned, how quickly it turned, and how these two characters were able to basically in the course of a match kind of establish where they fit, you know, where they stand. I'm interested to see where you go with that, Dave, in terms of Juice's performance, because obviously Juice has had a very, very strange tournament. Yeah. In terms of his booking, like he's failing. And I think that's kind of might be the story. He's his descent in as a contrast to David Finley's, uh, you know, ascent. Yeah. But the way that, the way that he and the way that him and ELP got vicious with one another was kind of like, I kind of said it was like two brothers fighting to be dad's favorite. You know, it was, they got, it started off like stepbrothers where they're having fun and doing shit. And then it just turned into a fucking, like it got, it turned into, real. what are you doing? I'm burying you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, ELP stuck his nutsack on Juice's drum skit. It was yeah, yeah. like it, <laughs> it got to because I mean they're taking the piss, right? Like the start of that match, they are absolutely taking the piss. Oh yeah, for sure, for absolutely. Uh, look, and you were just making a, um, a comparison to Unforgiven. I've got another one for you where Clint Eastwood is kind of like constantly questioning whether he's a good guy or a bad guy. ELP is doing that by the end of this match questioning whether he's a good guy or a bad guy and then in his post-match interview he's like why did i do that he even has like a roseburn moment with fucking food in front of him i don't know if you've seen physical where she just like binge eaters eats and that sort of stuff it looked like he was like about to go down a depressive route <laughs> of just like binge eating 
and he's questioning why am I doing that what am I doing and like all these kind of interesting things from a juice perspective uh he's having a lot of trouble with guys that he thinks are below him in this tournament and he's getting very very frustrated and like oh, I don't know what the deal I didn't really allude to what the deal that they had organized between the two of them was but that I almost think that this match in the beginning was a commentary on people thinking that the G1 matches need to be work rate, work rate matches. Yeah. Like the way they were taking the piss out of like doing a lockup and then doing the arm thing and then sweeping the leg and doing the pin. It's like a lot of, a lot of sort of new Japan tropes, uh, like, you know, match tropes. All in slow motion. In there. Uh, you know, then they're out there trying to impress Devin Lorat with their fucking arm wrestling and getting Scott Norton involved. People are criticizing and saying, oh, it's, it was bad comedy. And it's like, yes, yes. Yeah, that was in intentional. <laughs> Intentionally bad. And everyone's like, oh, well, I don't like that. It's like, okay, you don't have to like that. But you can't tell me that. You can't tell me that New Japan is a pattern match style and then say, but I don't want that either. It's like they are, they're, if anything, they're your allies because they are telling you, you know, this whole thing that people expect, like, fuck it. This is what and, it is in slow motion. Yeah. And you know, it would be really, you know, it'd be really cool if we just decided midway through it that we're going to get frustrated with this, the way that we have to perform this thing. We're being performative and we're going to actually get real and I'm going to bury your head into this table and mm -hmm. I'm just going to put it through. How about that? What would you think about that juice? And it's yeah. like, have you ever seen this in a new Japan match before? I've never seen anyone have their head butted through a fucking table before. Like that. I don't think that's an insane spot to take juice. You're a madman. Mm. Like, like I'm going to oh, bust you open. Yeah. I'm going to bust you open hard way, son. And um, just, over and over and over again it was brutal and vicious and then elp like when when juice on the table it's like this table is not going to hold so juice is smart enough to get up and elp's like okay well let's adjust mid i'll just instead of doing this i'll run this way and i'm going to fucking front flip tope ass fascia from like just insane athlete like like and everyone's yeah. like oh my god this but the story of it is like the story of the match is like juice is a real bad guy. He's a bad guy. Yes. And ELP. That is the story. ELP's a ELP's a pretend bad guy. He's a bad guy that's like, I'm just having fun. He's, well, yeah, yeah. And he's conflicted. Oh, more, ELP yeah. has ELP has empathy. Yeah. Juice has none. No. That's that's kind of the thing where it's like, and he got caught up in the whole thing of juice. Juice brought the violence to him. And ELP was just responding in kind. Like that was his thing. Like, well, I got to fight for my life here. I got to protect myself. And, and the, and like, he, how come he can, how come he can use the chair and he can do that stuff? And I can't. It's like, what was I thinking? Like I got all like that bit where he's at the back and he's got the towel over the head. And he's just like, what was I thinking? What the fuck? It, it shows that he cared about the, the result. He cared about trying, he wanted to win this thing because yeah. he was disappointed. Like he was really sad. And it's like, Juice is blaming everyone and ELP is only blaming himself. Like 
there's a that's just heels don't take accountability for their actions they don't yeah like he is so close to it is it is it is i don't know how close it is but it is very close he is the turn is coming it's rapidly approaching i don't know when it occurs but he is being it could happen by the end of this tournament it could it's it's getting to that point of like and, and the thing about him is is when they do the switch he's going to be mega over because they've only booked him in big arenas they're booking him in the big spots that's why he's getting all the big matches towards the end of the tournament they're booking him in the biggest spots and he's uh, his his move set is so baby face mm. everything about him is so baby face and the crowd wants to like at the end of that match everyone was upset because like oh dq they're like just when that match was getting good they fucked it for dq finish and it's like what is the point of this like I, I get it like okay everyone likes to rate matches all stuff but what is the point of this whole thing like yeah. also he went back to his thing where he was stealing shit from previous bullet club leaders and it ended up backfiring backfiring yeah every every time he, he tries went... to be a bullet club guy it yeah. doesn't work it doesn't fit him it just doesn't doesn't sit well on him and i think that that's kind of the, the progression that he's gonna have to realize is that he's not He's not made for the Bullet Club. And I don't know who he's made to be with, but it ain't them. And I think that the story of that and the direction that they're going, I think is going to be like, I don't, like I said, man, I don't know when it happens, but it's happening. I would say in the next, it's happening rapidly. Could be the G1 final. It'd be like, we're going to, we're going to push a, a story here and he's going to be, he's going to be out. Either they turn on him. Yeah. I could see Juice just fucking going after him. As retaliation, I mean, this is like he's come out and he's basically everything that the NWO should have been back in the day, like young, charismatic, great talker, great worker, looks cool. He's got all of everything, yeah. hyper aggressive and a chicken shit heel at the he same. He doesn't seem time. to give a single fuck about any of his teammates. It gives zero fucks about anyone. Yeah, and it's like. He's kind of like this guy. He's almost like they've let in the fucking the fox into the hen house. Like, like he's gonna just blow it all up. He's yeah. yeah. Because he's just he's just he's a fucking lunatic. Like him and when he wrestled Udro, he's like he just poor poor little show. Like show wasn't doing anything but just standing there and you then fucking juice just start fucking get this into your son. I'm gonna throw you over here. It's like that's bullet club members don't do that. Bullet club members don't get violent with one another. And that's what I'm saying. Like when ELP, like whatever their whatever the shit was that they had decided before the thing, it's clear that there is underlying tension in that group because they beat the ever loving shit out of each other, and that's not what you expect to see in that story. So, mm. and the fact that they did a DQ finish, which is super rare, and it's important to do it because it establishes it reestablishes that idea that if you do something illegal in the ring, you're going to get done, and Juice. And this ELP just got caught up in emotion, or I don't know what he, what, where he got trapped, but he just, like, ELP just couldn't catch himself. I don't know. It's very strange. But when people said, oh, that ruined a good match, it's like, for me, it's like, I was like, oh, what an important, like, that was so, yeah, that's that, so it's a key, key moment. Yeah. It's a key moment. It's like, yeah, the match, we could have had a, a awesome match if they kept going and went to some crazy great finish, but we got that with ELP and Yoshihashi. Like, mm. they had a great match. That was awesome. And, ELP again, poor ELP. He gets so close. 
and they're building that sympathy for him, right? Like, and that, and all, all he left with was a crowd that felt bad for him. Yeah. He, he, they felt like, think of the, in, think of how genius that is as a booking and a story element. A guy gets DQ'd and you feel bad for him. That's the cleverness of that angle of like, because he only was bringing back what, what Juice brought to him. He just got caught in a situation. People felt bad for him. And Simpy, for a ba- Simpy is the key. It's funny too, though, because he kind of started it. Because remember that he did the, he did the first roll up where he put his, he's put his legs on the rope, and then Juice did the thing where he pulled the ties, and then they so went he, and grabbed their weapons. He started it, and then they yeah, and then they went off. To be fair, he kind of started, but but Juice threw the chair at his head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he may have started it, but that was vicious and uncalled for, Juice. Like, and that's the part that I think is the difference is Juice is willing to like. That's the thing. LP is willing for the fun shenanigans of, oh, I nearly got you with the roll up. Oh, got my feet in the ropes. Oh, yeah. And Juice, like, have this wallop. And that's, that's what I think the viciousness and the, the, the single mindedness is a callback to a different era of Bullet Club that hasn't been around for a long, long time. Juice is, I've, he's your next, like, he's the next guy. He's the next leader of Bullet Club, I think. Yeah. I think he's, he's the guy to take it. Because he's gonna bring fucking hell have no fury like this, like juices. Pippin wants his own team, man. Yeah, the fucking jailblazers. Yeah, like, and they're they're coming here to take everyone down. And in you, the only guys that can stay on that team are fucking just sick bastards, angry, like violent bastards. And who was there from the start that used to do all that shit? Yeah, Karma, Carl, Carl. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like they they bring him back, and Juice is like the young boy that was there. You know, he's the young boy that was around at the time. It's like he's now ascended that point. Jay's too nice. Jay cares too much about the team. Jay's too. Jay's like the, the Jay show. He's too fun. He's too. Mm. He's 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 dominant. He's too it's too easy for Jay. It's hard for Juice because Juice is trying to, like Juice is like it. it he thinks the system's against him. And that's the key. That's what Bullet Club was built on. The system's against us. They're all out to get us. And don't you agree? And the guys that he'll recruit will all be those type of guys. I think that, I think the whole place is out to fucking get them. And I like it. I think it's, I think it's good. And ELP's not one of those guys. ELP's a loyal guy. He's, He's fucking tweeting in Japanese now. And like, He's he's turning. It's so it's so happening. I don't know what the burger thing is, but yeah, it's, it's something going there too. Like yeah, he was like it was like he was questioning the decisions he was making in his life. And he's like, yeah. do I eat this burger? And is this burger a representation of <laughs> me making poor decisions? That's what I like about it. It's all I wanted to get across was like, you can you can watch the G one for great matches if you want, but for me, I will always take following a character across the six weeks, and I've been following ELP. And it's been a it's been a logical elevation and escalation of his of his ex- experience throughout this tournament. He has gone to he's getting to the point of realizing I'm not like I I don't think I'm for this. This isn't my place. Like this, this isn't my place. And for a guy that was responsible for Robbie figuring that out, you know, like that's the guy mm. that made Robbie realize I'm not Bullet Club. I think ELP's sort of had the same experience where Juice is now. What what ELP was to Robbie, the juices to ELP, 
Because, like, if that's Bullet Club, that's not me. And the catalyst of professional wrestling might actually be fucking Juice Robinson because he's coming in. He's going to be the reason it all fucking implodes. And yeah, whatever he makes in its honor, whatever he makes in its, in its replacement is, I I think it's it's time. Whatever it is, it's time that Bullet Club goes back to that stuff, and you can have a faction of like if Jay's kicked out, if ELP's kicked out. Yeah, like, you just have a faction of assholes. Yeah. And then, but have a, and have the opposite and faction. Have, yeah. Have the faction of the guys that are being booted and they can have their own little group, you know? And imagine the baby face energy of a Finley, an ELP, and a J. Yeah. Like, seriously. Like, and then they bring Yo in, you know? And yeah. Then, <laughs> bring back Yo. Bring back Yo. Like, I just think that's the stuff, man. That's the stuff that's, that gets me up. In, like, that's stuff that when I'm watching, I'm like, I think that's why those two nights in Osaka are much must watch because they're so diverse. They have so many different things happening. You get your Jonah and Okada, you get the Juice and ELP, you get uh, Shingo Osprey, you get Jay versus uh, Okan. And all four of them are serving different purposes, are wrestling different, are serving different structures. But if you're not willing, if you don't want to watch it for the story of it, if the first hour is a bit too slow, you're not going to, the richness of that last crescendo is not going to hit the same. Yeah. It's sort of representative of the entire tournament. We're in the fit near in confusion. Like we're, it's like, what the fuck's happening? But I know I have faith. I just have faith that the last week of this tournament is going to make everything, everything's going to click into place. And granted, I still think we go back to the old way. I think that's much better, but I think you get rewarded for following key stories. And with our format, we're able to follow a lot of them at the same time and feedback on them. But they're all going to hit at that last week, and it's going. There's going to be some big shit go down. Mm. I, you can feel it coming. It's, yeah, it's on the horizon. The mid card, as as Miss Doom had noted, has has risen. You know, and we've had we've had you know a bunch of questions that have sort of mentioned that idea of like across the tournaments, like the mid card has risen, and they're not all going to win, so they're going to have to get something to. To cap it all off. Pretty darn exciting. Like it feels like a brand new G1 just started. Feels like a yeah, it does. Feels like the G1 just started. Mm. I felt like at Osaka it kicked off. Mm. And we're we're on the we're on the the fast stretch now to to the biggest and the most important matches. Yeah. And I mean, like if you don't want to watch every single match, you're not gonna be unforgiven. <laughs> just tied it all in perfectly there for you, Josh. I'm not I'm trying to figure out that you're not gonna be unforgiven. Yeah, I was in my head. I was unforgiven, or you not? You can be forgiven. You won't be unforgiven. It's a double negative. <laughs> I was like, you went the double negative to finish off, and I got confused, right? Well, I mean, you know, just like Steve Carino, it's time to watch Gran Torino. You've been listening to We Work Stiff, <laughs> Steve Carino. I love Red that your whole gimmick is just I'm going to rhyme. <laughs> I'm gonna rhyme. <laughs>